Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It is the 50th 5-0, 50th episode of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. Woo! For July 15th. That's a Wednesday. We record on a Wednesday, 2015, alongside Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. Howdy. What's going to be talked about on the show today? Uh, we'll be talking about gaming news and lots of Comic-Con movie stuff that came out the past week. I'll uh, talking about the unfortunate passing of Nintendo CEO Iwata at age 55. The Nintendo PlayStation prototype found PewDiePie, the king of YouTube, addresses his wealth in an online video. We'll also be discussing the lawsuit against a prototype that's being uh, produced as a new Super Nintendo game. Or uh, was produced. Or was produced. Uh, Marissa Tomei cast as Aunt May. Uh, what happens when Nintendo collectibles get stolen and sold back to the person who was stolen from? We'll talk about that. The Batman vs. Superman Comic-Con trailer. Affleck may star, direct in, and co-write a Batman standalone movie. The Suicide Squad t- trailer. Ugh. The Ash vs. Evil Dead trailer. Yay. The Comic-Con Star Wars behind the sea- scenes reel. Sure. The CU Podcast 50th episode memories. Memories like the ones we used to know. And your Q&A, Ian! I feel like I asked you this before, but what's going on in Ferguson land? You did ask me this before, so I'm going to truncate it. I'm <laughs> drinking. My friend moved into town today that I've known since high school. I love him dearly. He moved in with his, uh, he moved on with his uh, uh, girlfriend. So I'm very happy to have a, a super close friend, you know, but back back in my life. Listen, Other than I'm, that, I'm a super close friend almost. <laughs> and in addition to that, I'm just trying to read a lot of the comics and stuff that I got at uh, Comic-Con. Um, I'm trying to get back into a place where I can kind of relax after a lot of like convention stuff and long work hours. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I sit. Uh, Comic-Con was fun and exhausting. I was complaining to you on the drive over that four days is just insane for Comic-Con. I love four days, but I, I, I am, I'm always meeting people from out of town. I got to see uh, Pixel Dan for like literally five minutes where he had to leave. It was like, oh, hey, Pat. Hey, bye. Didn't get to see Andre. He had like four panels. Andre's blowing up uh, Black Nerd Comedy. He he did uh, the Dino Charge Power Rangers or Dino Thunders. Dino Thunder? Dino Thunder uh, Power Rangers panel. He moderated that. He moderated a Ninja Turtles cartoon panel. Neat. Uh, or, or toy one, I forget. And then he did a couple others he was a part of. So Andre's blowing, blowing shit up. I uh, hung out with Frank only one day. Frank only did one day this year at Comic-Con, but then, of course, I end up buying stuff for him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did need that Fantastic Four Marvel Masterworks. I gotta go back and hunt it for, for, for a half hour. Uh, but then on Sunday, there was, like, uh, this, as we call the sloppy stacks, where they just throw, you know, the 60s and 70s books, not not the highest end ones, yeah. but they're still cool. They, they had them for a dollar each at Sunday afternoon. I bought, like, 50 of them. I just went through them, oh, you know, my friend didn't really like me looking at them for that long, but, you know, you gotta wait. Sorry. Um, and other than that, I actually hung out with Sean Baby a little bit on Thursday. Was spotted with his orange mohawk, and uh, we we talked for like a half hour. I met I met uh, Sean Baby about a year and a half ago at Pro and Retro Gaming Expo, so it was cool seeing him. And then I hung out with my pal James Rolfe, who came down with uh, Kyle Justin, who does the theme song. And I just realized we're both name dropper. I think I just realized we're both wearing Wisdom Tree shirts, which I think is funny as hell. Indeed, we are. A good thing I didn't wear that one, and we had to fight each other like we're, we're girls at a prom. Um, so that was fun. And then uh, I get back to work on my book. 
hopefully a new Path to NES Punk video. It'll be a shorter one, at least in, in execution, maybe not in length of time. And I'll do that. And I have Con Bravo I'm leaving for in a week. Four days of fun in uh, Canada. That'll be fun. And then, um, yeah, that's that's my life. Mm. Mm. I told myself I wasn't going to buy anything at Comic-Con this year, and I ended up buying manga, and I ended up buying records, and I ended up buying a shitload of Donald Duck and Scrooge comics, and I Fun. bought Smut, and I bought... I bought a lot of fucking stuff. Um, but it was fun. Comic-Con for me is a little bit easier, I think, because I spend so much of it outside of the convention hall sitting in restaurants with people that I know from out of town. Um, so it is a little bit easier. I'm not walking constantly. I had lunch with my friend John. I hung out with my friends Nate and Jenny. So you do panels? Uh, no. I, I, don't, I don't do panels. I, like the, the time that, I would normally de- that, that a person would normally devote to panels is what I usually devote to going and getting a beer with someone and trying to see as many of my out-of-town friends as I can um, and, and still see all of the convention floor. My favorite day is usually um, the one where Vonnie has off and we walk around and see everything. And it's cool because she's worked usually a day or two before she gets her day to go. Um, you know, she's worked her booth there. So it's fun because I'm walking around with someone where the con floor is fresh to them again. So that's very amusing. But all in all, I had, I had a great time. I think I saw you for like 10 minutes. It was funny. The times I saw you was like when we uh, came out of the bathroom, you were like sitting down relaxing on like Saturday and also on Thursday. Yeah, I was I was actually just taking a minute to read a book because my feet were fucking killing me. So I actually didn't see you on the floor. I didn't actually walk around there. I just saw you like in relaxation mode. Yeah, outer a hall. A couple times. So so we have a shout out, Ian. A Patreon shout out. So, he did, so we're shouting out to our friend Steven who... I'm not using last names because unless they give me explicit permission to, I don't feel like I should. Um, he was our first $200 tier Patreon donor, Ooh. and that is supposed to get you uh, an advertisement live or read. a live read, uh, you know, something um, like that. You can even promote your Twitter account. Uh, he didn't want any of that. He basically stated that we were the only podcast he listened to. He really enjoyed it, and he wanted to support us. So thank you, Stephen, for that. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for helping us eat. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yes. So uh, we, we'll start on, on a somber note. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Sunday walking back from Comic-Con, my friend and I, uh, my friend got a text. And uh, he stopped, and he read it out loud to me, and I didn't believe it. And it was, of course, that Satoru Iwata had passed away at age 55 uh, from bile duct cancer. And our reaction and the reaction of basically the entire video game playing community as a whole um, has been one of fairly outward uh, mourning and grief. And and there's a few reasons for this, I think. Uh, One, you immediately feel sad for his family and his friends because 55 is far too young of an age to, to pass away. Um, but to fans of his, he made Nintendo, especially after years of being a very tight company, he made it a very personable sort of company, uh, by directly connecting with fans. And I don't even mean that as a, as a pun or a play on the fact that he pioneered the Nintendo Direct series and the Ask Awada series. But he started in 1980s, in the 1980s as a programmer for Hell. I mean, he did things like fix balloon trips so that, or balloon fights so that it was actually playable on an NES. 
Uh, he created Kirby, one of my most enduringly favorite um, video game characters. Uh, he single-handedly saved <coughs> Earthbound 2, Mother, um, from the trash heap because it was an unplayable mess of code. And what I think makes a lot of people feel a lot of people feel close to him because when when he passed away there was outpouring from Sony from Microsoft from game development studios that had never put a game on a Nintendo system this was a guy who was a game developer who played games who became the president of a company and by doing that he wasn't just some figurehead at the top of a, a corporation uh, he was the real deal. He was probably the realest deal we'll ever see in that sort of position mm-hmm. running a company. I, th- I think it's interesting uh, just because usually when a CEOs of companies, they usually hire from the outside. Uh, and so they'll get someone that, oh, you know, we'll hire someone that was either a CEO or another company or has experience in it. To have a guy that basically started from the ground up as a, you know, as a developer. I think he was 19. Yeah, and, he, and he, he worked on some great games. You mentioned Earthbound, you know, Kirby games, uh, HAL Laboratories he was at, which which worked alongside, uh, the, you know. The man uh, was still coding. They, they He was still, I mean, it's not like he had a direct, like a huge directly involvement, but he was still putting coding, he was still putting flourishing touches on the code of things like Mario Kart 8. So he was still w- w- get his hands dirty and get in there. He was getting his hands dirty as as, as recently as a year ago. Uh, yeah, that's insane for his, for a CEO to do something. That's like that. why the guy had so much respect. Yeah, and and so basically he came into your house. You know, all the Nintendo directs. You know, he come out and he was happy. Just the, the latest uh, one from E three where you know uh, they're all Star Fox characters. You know, it was like the trio with Reggie and uh, Miyamoto. But I was so happy to see, and I. I... I said it to my, my friend, um, just, you know, weeks prior to him passing, uh, he was immortalized as a Muppet. And yeah, I, kind of, I kind of feel like that's one of the highest honors a person <laughs> can receive. So I thought that was very, very cool, you know, that, that he, he had seen so many things. He was recognized in so many ways. He did the Iwata Ass series. Which, which was pretty cool because, for the most part, Nintendo was always secretive about what goes on. And you sort of at least, you know, pull back the curtain at least slightly to say, hey, this is what our mindset is, what we're doing. People use you know, it as research. Uh, I mean, he, he, he played Charlie Rose to people who were developing games and didn't just ask them softball questions. He went into technical detail about these things. And then uh, what people say about, yeah, he just he wanted games to be fun. Say what you will about the Wii. Um the Wii was a massive success. You can you can decry it as oh it's not a real gaming system whatever. But it, the Wii because of because he had a vision that whether you agree with it or not he had a vision of everyone should be able to play this game, uh, this game system, gaming's for everyone, young, old, whatever. Right. Uh, Nintendo is safe now monetarily for decades because of this man. And, well, in the DS, I yeah. mean, the, Nintendo's biggest successes were under. Uh, 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 Wada. I mean, yeah. the DS, the Wii, the 3DS. Uh, the Wii, maybe not so much, but I mean, he t- that's a big risk with the Wii. That's a huge risk. Yes. After the GameCube did so horribly in comparison to past systems, he said, "You know what? We're going to go off the beaten track and do this Wii thing," and it yeah. worked. It smashingly worked. Yep. You know, um, that takes balls. It takes courage um, for for someone to do that. And yeah, even if the Wii U it hasn't worked out the, the way you might have uh, liked it to, you know, the fact that He's a guy in a position to take risks with a gaming system. Right. I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, 
I don't even know what risk Sony's taken, but to have you know the only risk that Xbox uh, Microsoft's taken is oh we're going to use uh, you know the Kinect as operate your TV. No, at the, the same only time. risk Microsoft took was threatening to take away your ability to sell used games, and that exactly. and that backfired. I mean, and that, and the thing is, is even if the Wii did not Wii U did not sell the numbers. You know, they may have hoped for. He's still at the base level, and I don't think anyone can argue it. He still succeeded in putting out a platform that is home to games that anyone can play and everyone enjoys. And, and like we, we did, we we talked about that that poll about the, what do you think about the game systems uh, a couple months ago. Remember? Yeah. And it was like, oh, Nintendo is like the fun system, right? That's you know? where you go for your fun. That's where you go for your fun. It may not be the system you go to blow people's heads off, but you go over there for your fun. Yeah. You can call them kitty games, you can call them whatever, uh, games for all ages, like Splatoon, but these are the games that uh, at least are different enough that Nintendo will always have that little niche carved out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not going to go away. You know, there's no reason for Nintendo not to put out systems, at least handhelds, for the next hundred years. You know, and I mean, people remember he was the first CEO that wasn't part of the original, like, line. Yeah, uh, family the line. first one without the Yamauchi... Um the last time. Yeah, so they took a risk doing that as well. Talk, you know, talking about we always talk about the Japan culture, like to, to do something like that. They they must have loved this guy enough to put him in charge of a company that's been around uh, since the eighteen late eighteen hundreds. You know, that's that's pretty cool. Small town boy makes it big. <laughs> Small town boy. Makes it. So uh, Satoru Iwata, we, we salute you. Gone at age fifty five. Thanks. This was something that is widely known that this was in development. There's there's there was pictures of it like in Nintendo Power and other magazines. You know, you know, but it was never actually like seen by someone with their own eyes. So the Nintendo PlayStation prototype was found in kind of a surprising way. Um, so, yeah. So I was just gonna say there was two hundred of them made, which is not supposedly many. supposedly two hundred of them. Produced. And I'll get into that later. And when the partnership between Sony and Nintendo uh, broke down somewhere around CS ninety two, because I believe it was it was discussed at CS ninety one, it was supposed to be a CD ROM add on. Yeah, uh, originally they're going to do a CD ROM add on for the Super Nintendo. And then this was going to be the PlayStation was was just going to be like an all in one Super Nintendo and PlayStation whole CD ROM system. So yeah, the it was found because a uh, the guy who found it, his father was a maintenance man for a company. Dan Diebold found it. That was headed. Uh, by a guy who was working in, uh, for, I believe, Sony uh, in their in their division at the time that that was happening. He was a ma- his father was a maintenance, maintenance worker. Oh, his father was the maintenance worker at right. at, at Advanta yes. Corporation in two thousands. The president of that company was Olaf Olafsson, who was the former CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. So somehow that came into his father's hands from Olaf. They were just they were instructed to to destroy it all uh, when when the company that. Um, uh, his father worked for uh, went bankrupt, but his, but according to uh, Dan, his dad never got rid of anything and was loath to throw things out. Mm-hmm. So when he found one in a box, he took it home and stuck it in the attic, and that's Thank the story God. as to how at least one of these has been saved. Uh, so this was uh, originally it was posted on Reddit with pictures. People didn't believe him. Uh, so Dan then did a YouTube video. It's about two minutes long. I, yes, I saw that. I, it, if it's a hoax, it's a damn freaking good hoax. If I'll just say that it uh, looks like it a looks legitimate for, yes. console to me. Yeah, it's very. It'd be very hard. I can't imagine people go. Oh, you could you know three D print that. Not really. You can't. No. Uh, something like that. No. You, you, the amount of money you, to hoax something <laughs> like that. We're talking even the, the Super Nintendo had yellowing on it. The Super Nintendo portion. Yeah. It's like wow. Okay. Fake that. You're going pretty far yeah, to, to yell at the console. Pretty good fake. Um, so it, it it's interesting because there's also one controller, uh, and we'll get into it. the controller had uh, PlayStation on the front. 
but Nintendo on the back. Because it was just the mold. Yeah. But the, the console just had Sony and PlayStation on it. Um, so, so originally people were like, oh, this is fake because the pictures we've seen had different fonts. But other people were like, oh, no, we've seen pictures with this font as well. This this more planar font, which ended up closer to being the actual PlayStation uh, system font for their logo. Um, it's interesting. You know, it, ha- it, has, it has a tray um, in the front. It has the controller ports. It's a combo system. It looks like it. So... Being that there was no AC adapter, uh, Dan in the video said he was afraid of turning on and frying it, which is which is good. You probably want to start with uh, the, as low amp and vo- wattage, you know, as, and volts as possible, and sort of work your way up until it turns on, you know, just in case. Well, there is, I believe, there is danger in plugging in something that's too low on one of those. But anyways, what he said he's going to do is he's going to take it back home because he went to go see his parents. Uh, his dad, he, he got the, the, the system. He's going to take it back to his friend who works at a video game store, and they're going to find an appropriate oh, AC adapter one. for it. Yeah, yeah you, of course. You can go to Ra- the one thing Radio Shack, if they're still in business, still sells. They sell like universals that with are, different voltages. Yeah, they have everything. That's how I got my uh, one for my Turbo Duo. Sure. Radio Shack. So, so they'll find it. Uh, what was interesting, though, was that, unfortunately, Dan didn't have a, a Super Nintendo where he can take out the freaking tabs and try whatever was on that cartridge that came with it. Even if it was just a logo saying, you know, Sony PlayStation on it, Super Nintendo, that'd be insane to, I'm, to see that. These are some of the things, and I do believe it's real. I want to believe it's real, but there's a couple things that make me... Just cautious? Just cautious. One is, you couldn't find a Super Nintendo that you could modify just to test that out, yeah. really. You couldn't. You don't know anyone with one. Two, uh, it's been stated that he said there's a CD for it. I haven't seen a single picture of the CD. How does he know there's a CD in the system? So those are two things that might, might lead you to believe, okay, this could be weird. Yeah, but it, see, the thing is, I, I feel like the build itself looks so legitimately like a combo system that could have come out in the 90s that I do want to believe that it's real, and I am leaning towards thinking it's real. But, yeah, the lack of... No, you don't know anyone with a Super Nintendo, and the lack of, um, or the lack of a picture of a CD that you say that exists, are you either... Pre- just assuming there's one in there, or, or have you not bothered to take a picture of it? So yeah, Nintendo PlayStation Super Disc was, I guess, going to be somewhat the name of the console. I spoke to uh, my uh, friend, Super Collector uh, Steve Lynn, who um, is obviously interested in stuff like this in game history. And uh, talking to him, he's like, yeah, it seems legit. There's no reason now. And even if you look on the back of the console, it, of the uh, ports, the ports are not exactly the same, but it's somewhat similar to how the PS1 ended up being, yeah, how the ports are But there's out. still a Nintendo-style AV on the back of it, and there's also a, um early PlayStation-style um, generic AV uh, on the back of it as well. Which was the original? You could use as a CD player. Which how the original PlayStation right. had before they got rid of the, the uh, AV exactly. composite. So, yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of things pointing this in the favor of real. I just, I'm wondering why certain steps haven't already been taken. Well, he may, he's probably not a video game guy. He's probably just got this like, oh, this is... I, I think he actually says that in his YouTube yeah, video, so, which I mean, is fine. It's fine. I, yeah, so this is going to end up in someone's hands for a lot of money. At this point, it's just yeah. how much money? A lot. Um, so much. So much money. T- talking talking to Steve, he, he said there, I didn't realize this, probably more so in Japan, that there are like Sony collectors, people that collect Sony uh, merchandise and things. So for them, this is a, you're going to have, this is a rare item. Where I spoke about it on Retro Game Road shows before live, where when you get a crossover item, it either means that you're going to have less interest because it's two different things together, like say a signed Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, presents Major League Baseball. Baseball. Uh, baseball collectors might be like, eh. But in this case, it's technology, Sony, Nintendo, PlayStation. This is like, this is like, you know, this is the granddaddy. This is the, this is the, the, the holy grail. I hate saying that. The holy grail of, you know, video game hardware, basically. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? You, you talk about those systems that were ne- that never uh, came out, like all the Atari system, like the Cosmos. You know, and you had like that a, only existed this, ever in a wood mock-up. This the Sega Neptune stuff like <clears throat> that. But but this is something that I think this interests people a lot more. Yeah, well, I mean, you have two companies that are generally not known for working with anyone, mm-hmm. especially Nintendo. That I mean, and this is this is their one clash right here. Uh, so, uh, also talking to Steve uh, about why you know to, you can always uh, why Nintendo sort of got cold feet and backed out of this deal, then decided to say, oh, we're going to you know do this partnership with like Philips, you know, instead. Um, well, from what I heard, it was because Sony wanted basically entire control over the system. They would allow them to take control over the cartridge portion of but it, keep. but 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 Sony was going to run everything on the CD end of it and basically run the console end of it, too. Uh, well, yeah. Being that the CD-ROM technology at this point, especially for gaming, was still sort of fresh, yeah. early 90s, it sounded like Sony at least wanted some sort of royalty uh, for the CD-ROM games, so meaning that every, every game that Nintendo sold, uh, you'd have to pay Sony. Right, the same way like Blu-ray had to be licensed out to Sony. Mm-hmm. You know, like Blu-ray is a, a, is is a technology that Sony owns. Yes. So they wanted to control the media. Sounds familiar with your with your shitty memory uh, sticks, uh, Sony that were terrible. Um, so that so Nintendo got cold feet maybe because of that, but also I think once Nintendo sees this system, they're like, wow, this is a, this is not a Nintendo system. There's no Nintendo branding on this prototype anywhere. Right. You we're losing control. We're losing well, yeah, control that's what of I'm our saying. Like, I, I, like Nintendo yeah. is not a company that wants to lose control of uh, anything that they're involved in, I especially think... especially not at that time. Oh sure. Uh, so yeah, Sony PlayStation. It's it's a Super Famicom controller, but it says Sony PlayStation on it, which is interesting. I think it's faking that alone would cost a ton of money. That's not a sticker. You look at that. That was made specially. You know what I mean? Like, so if it's a hoax, it's a damn good hoax. And so I guess we're going to see uh, where it ends up. It belongs in a museum, which it does. It does. But let's see if it works. Let's see what's on that uh, purported uh, purported CD. Let's see what's on that freaking cartridge. Yeah, even if it's just freaking demo logos, I yes. want to see them. I just want to see them. We want to see them. That's it. I want to play it. I want to see it. So, uh, good old PewDiePie, who's the biggest YouTuber. Oh, he's got 40 million subscribers. Uh, it came out on a few different websites how much he made money. Last year, I think it came out, he made between, I think, 3 and $4 million. And um, it's it's been revealed that he made uh, $7 million the past, I guess, calendar year. I don't know how this information gets out, first of all. That's sort of strange how that would even get out. Because only, at the end of the day, the only people would know would be the network he's on. Right. Um, unless someone... You can, I mean, you can always guess based upon how much I've used, but to have such a specific number like that is just sort of surprising. Um, so his name is Felix uh, Kajelberg. He's 25 years old. He's been doing this for, I think, three or four years at this point. Uh, maybe five. Um, and then, yeah, he's he's a he's a famous Let's Player. He's he's when you think of Let's Plays, you think of PewDiePie. Uh, talk about you can talk about the quality of his content, whether or not you like it or not. He has a legion of fans, and he's obviously very successful. So he he felt the need to respond though in a, in a video uh, about wealth and money, and obviously, of course, he's not going to say something like, "Oh, money's bad." Of course, it's good to have money. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. You deserve all the money you make. Um, but but my question is, why would you need to address it? You know, it's not like a sports star comes out and has to say, hey, I'm making $20 million a year, and, you know, I, I work hard. The fact that he had to do it is, is 
I don't know. I don't know if it's a watershed moment for recognizing YouTube as entertainment or not, but it's certainly strange to have to address it. If I'm making multiple million dollars a year and have people saying to me in my comment section, "Oh, you're not doing real work," I'll be like, "Okay, that's fine. I'm still making millions of dollars." Um, so I don't know. Maybe he's in, insecure with the fact that he's making these millions of dollars that he has to address it. But it, to me, it doesn't come off. It's it's not it's not a good look. We'll just say that to to sort of address it like that. At least to me, I just think it's a little strange. I. Personally, I didn't think it came across as bad as you do, but then again, I have absolutely no investment in this 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 sort of that that sort of universe. I mean, I I barely even know what he does. You told you said you say let's plays, and had I thought for a minute, that would have come to my mind. I'm sure. Um, I'm not sure why he would feel the need to address it either, other than the fact that maybe you're right. Maybe it is someone. Maybe it is time for people to realize that yes, this is a way that people make money. And it's not going where people say, oh, this is going to go away. It's not at this point. Right. It's a new media. It's been around for 10 years, and it's only growing. Um, people get upset at him, but, you know, similar, I think, in ways to something we had talked about previously. It's not... It was... He makes this money because people like him, and mm-hmm. he gets the money. And because of that, people attacking him is probably going to if a person thinks about it for a while, it's probably going to rub them the wrong way. But at the same point in time, yes, you're right. He should be less concerned about having to make any sort of defensive statement about it. Sure, he gets, this guy gets probably uh, 100,000 comments a day. Right. So how does he even track it? Uh, I thought he turned I, comments off yeah, on there, all of his videos. There was a point where he did turn comments off, I don't know, because he wanted to then focus on the positivity and then link to a forum where you could do it. I don't know if he's still doing that. I don't follow this guy's comments. No, I, I don't either. All I know is he's, he's famous for, uh, he was on South Park last year, and he screams a lot, and that's his content, which is fine. Again, if you're into that. I don't care. I, I honestly don't begrudge him. Make as much money as you want. Uh, go for it. But in terms of, he, he, he in the video, like he like picked out certain comments and responded to it, and and it's like that, that. It was just petty when you're the biggest YouTuber no, to call p- individual people out. I, you know, I did think th- I did think that was fairly petty. I don't think he needed to do that. Um, I do think the fact that he, you know, mentioned that he he the money is obviously nice. He didn't necessarily go into this for money. You know, he was you know he dropped out of college, got a computer, worked at a hot dog stand, whatever. Gave the story. I mean, well, he he could do that. Because he he comes from money, he doesn't come. He's not a pauper. Well, why did he work at a hot dog stand? Because he wanted to. <laughs> That's why. He didn't seem like he wanted to. But <laughs> anyways, all I'm all I'm getting. At, I have no reason to defend the dude, I, and I, because I don't watch him, and I don't give a fuck. Um, but I just didn't see the videos being all that bad. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with him making the money uh, he he makes. And uh, I mean, I didn't like the way he came across. But you know, when people do say. I, I, do I think that do I think that necessarily that sort of act deserves that kind of money? No, but if that's what he's making, then fine. Well, he deserve then he deserves the money it, because it, people like him. It's what the market right. It's what the picks. market wants. So it doesn't make sense to me. Fine, but I understand why he makes the money. Um, but you know, he said, you know, you, um, you know, why are you making this much money when blah 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 is so much more talented? Then that person needs more exposure. That person needs more views. I mean, it's it's very simple. It's very cut and dry. Sure. Um, I, like I said, you're right. There he did not come across particularly great. He also didn't come across when he mentioned his charity works, and he does do good charity works. Um, and it, it was just a little strange. It's never good to throw charity work in the face of people. No, it is not. And, that, and that's where I think we'll be on the more same page. He's like, he, he complained about the lack of publicity uh, for him doing charitable works. Yeah, no, I'm 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 completely on board with you there. Uh, he's like, he's someone... like, why why wasn't there publicity when I helped raise a million dollars here? Come on, come on. Right. 
Like, like that's not the fucking point of you doing the, doing it. You know. Yeah. So I mean, while and while it is great that he does do charitable works, I, yeah, throwing throwing charitable works in the face of others is never a quality idea. No. And, and then, yeah, because because there's plenty of celebrities that do charity stuff you never hear about. Yeah. People give millions out of the way. You don't hear about it because that's not the point, right. Of doing it. Speaking of that, we're doing the anything right now. No. So I mean, I don't know what else to say. You know, he's probably a nice dude, but the problem with and we can talk about this later is that there's there's an immaturity attached with. Uh, in general, and I'm not putting a negative connotation on that. There's an immaturity attached with a lot of these YouTubers because a lot of these guys started in their, their teens or early 20s. Right. They get big. They get a lot of money. They really don't have any real-world experience working This is a it. conversation like, for another day. We're going to have to but, hold it, yeah. but just real quick, they don't have a lot of experience uh, you know, socially or working in like an office environment to know that, uh, first of all, what they have, but also how they got there. And so some people, when they get a lot of wealth or fame quickly without having to really say work hard for it they don't know how to handle it i'll say more later yeah okay <laughs> all right this came up this was not totally fresh news but it's ongoing now so this is this is old um but it's still a topic that should probably be discussed um rose-colored gaming um a site that does a lot of repros and quite frankly they do some um they do some custom uh handheld systems like Wonder Swans and Neo Geo Pocket Colors that are absolutely gorgeous. Um, they they decided that they were going to put out a repro of a unreleased Super Nintendo game uh, called Shadowhawk, based on a uh, image uh, comics character mm-hmm. from the 90s by... Oh, Valentino. Jim Valentino. Jim Valentino. And they did this run, and they sold it, and... In April, Jim Valentino wanted to sue. He wanted to sue for quite a bit. He wanted to sue for losses, and he wanted to take all of their profits, and then he wanted two million on top. That's how you start in a case like this. You're not because you're you're not going to get two million. You just have to aim for the top and and watch it go down. Well, Uh, not just for the game uh, trademark, but also I think they use images from comics. Yes, the materials they put out from old comic scans or whatever. So what it really comes down to is. This very gray matter that I constantly feel very weird about um, when it comes to reproductions, uh, especially reproductions that are based on creative properties that are ongoing or that people still hold their trademarks to. Mm-hmm. You are profiting off of someone else's work in one form or another. And in this one, it's different than a game that was abandoned by Sunsoft. This is a game that was abandoned, but it's also based on a comic book character that a guy yeah. is still trying to make some sort of yeah. livelihood off this of. This is a double whammy. This is both trademark and copyright infringement. Sure. It's both. Right. But all, all the other repros are copyright infringement. Those are copyright works they don't have the, the rights to reproduce and sell and make money off of. No. This is both. And this is a guy, we always talk about, you have to protect yourself. Say, say Jim Valentino doesn't protect himself here. He's thinking about, this is my property. Not saying there's going to be a Shadowhawk movie anytime soon, no. but there could be something that comes up, whether it's a new comic, new cartoon, a toy, reboot or toy something. Line. He has to defend his creation. That's just the way it is. And is he making an example out of these guys? Probably. But maybe maybe something happened in the, uh, in the negotiations or people saying he signed off on it, other people saying, oh, no, that he didn't sign off it, but people led us to believe he did, that, that involved the project. It's a mess for everyone involved. Because it sounds like someone probably lied to the uh, other people in the group uh, working on this project saying, oh, yeah, Jim said this is okay, when obviously it wasn't. Well, this is not exactly a professional operation. And, and I'm sorry, I, I like, like I said, I enjoy some of the stuff Rose Colored Gaming does, but 
this is this is a hobbyist thing for the retro community. Um, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of uh, in-depth business talks with these people to make sure everything's squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know exactly the story behind it, but it, overall, I would have to say that this is not a practice that I'm particularly fond of. Uh, well, no, and like I said, we mentioned how it's bothersome to me that people are doing this. Like we said, there's an, there's an NES uh, port of Leisure Suit Larry that's out there and sold, and they obviously. Even if it's a homebrew, they don't have the rights to, to do that and sell it, uh, you know. But they did it, which is fine. But people might come after you, and it's your legal right to. That's yeah. always in the back of your head. Even if there's an unproduced NES game, the copyright's still held by someone right. up to seventy years after after the author's death. The copyright's good. Um, so even though it hasn't happened yet, it can happen. What bothers me even more about this, though, comes from a video game preservation standpoint, is that. Uh, they chose to make money on this before releasing the ROM. Well, that happens all the time, though. Yes, but I fucking hate that. Oh, I think it's disgusting, too. I think it's gross. And that's actually, I mean, just, I mean, in all honesty, that's largely my problem. We are going to hold this ROM hostage. We are going to show you a couple screenshots. We are going to sell you what is likely to be a very overpriced reproduction based on someone else's work. And, I mean, where, where's yeah. the ROM go? You haven't preserved anything. No, you, you, well, you have still put it on a physical cartridge that can be destroyed. Well, you, well it's it's preserved somewhere. on their computer, but, but, not, but not to the public. That's not yeah. proper preservation. That, that I mean, computer goes away. Those multiple computers go away. I mean, yes. it needs to be out. It needs to be reproduced. On the car, someone, someone can always take their cartridge and dump it, but yeah. it's just they have to do that. It needs to be replicated. It bothers me, too. Um, it bothers me, too, just because people are like... Um, I mean, it, uh, prototype is... It's weird because there's there's like a handful of people that end up buying like 90% of the NES prototypes and then they dump them all the past uh, few months. Uh, you know, the price goes up and the price then the price comes way down when you realize that there isn't a huge amount of people interested in the prototypes. Now, when it comes to unreleased games, though, yes, they do see it as a profit-making scheme. They're like, oh, okay, we can sell a couple hundred carts of these. This is what a profit will be, blah, blah, blah. And then we might release it if we can get our profit back or at least, or at least make back our investment. But you don't own the rights to that game. It's not yours. Right. That's that's the problem. Um, so even though it's not legal to even sell reproductions no matter what uh, without the author's permission from the game or whoever owns uh, the rights to that, to hold the ROM hostage is really shitty. Yeah. It's just shitty. Legality or not, or legal or not, if you put the ROM out there and then offered to sell reproductions to people who wanted it on a physical sure. medium, fine. I that's a gray area where I'm okay with yeah. it, but at least... At least don't immediately profit off of someone else's shit. Get it out there, preserve it, let other people have it, take a crack at it, and then if someone wants to pay you for it on a cartridge, then okay, I guess. I, I mean, I think they're lucky. I'm, I think it's luck. They're lucky that Nintendo's never gotten after uh, like retro USB for doing, uh, you know, Nintendo World Championships reproductions. You know, like the, it, all it takes is one day of them turn around and say, oh. This is bullshit. Let's do this. You know, but Nintendo usually is hands off when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. All it takes is one case like this for everyone else to say, like, "Oh, maybe we should be more careful." Uh, but again, like I said again, this is sort of a an individual, one man, Jim Valentino, that owns the rights to this character he created. Um, I'm not saying whether or not the character is good or bad. He's like a Wolverine guy with claws, basically, in a silver suit. <laughs> uh, this I hate the- I hated Image Comics in the nineties. I was gonna say, well, be- I was just gonna say Image Comics. In the- Image Comics now. Top of the line shit. I mean, amazing stuff. Uh, in the nineties, no, just no bad stuff. Yeah, obviously you had Spawn, which was popular. I think Spawn's the only ones that's still around from the nineties. I think, right? Is was it? Spawn was in it. Yes, yeah, okay. Spawn was, in it. Spawn was yeah, a big one. But you also was... had uh, like Bloodshot and. Uh... No, Bloodshot was Valiant. 
Oh, Shaw was valiant. You well, uh, Axel Manowar was valiant. That was valiant. I, I thought a lot of uh, Jim Layfield's. Uh, that was all image. All the wild, Wildcats and shit. Oh, I'm like sorry. That. I, I got Bloodshot confused then. Yes, all yeah. of Jim Layfield's. The, the stuff muscles, was on image. the muscles that are on top of muscles, sort of look. <laughs> Comic Con joke. Uh, he was sitting at his booth, like not doing fucking anything in Artist's Alley. Oh, really? And I've got a couple beers in me, and I look at my friend and I said. Should I go ask him to draw me a foot made out of utility pouches? <laughs> because that's like... Oh, the he, Captain America? Oh, well, all he knows how to do is draw utility pouches, and the one thing <laughs> he can't draw is feet. All his characters have no feet. So I wanted a foot made out of utility pouches. <laughs> you should have done it. I didn't know he was even there. He was there. He was away from the booth most of the time, and even when he was there, honestly, there were not many people there. There must have been sort of an image superintendent around, because remember, there was a Wildcat superintendent game somehow, and there was a cartoon, a violent cartoon they somehow made into like a, a cartoon on Fox. Uh, Jim Lee's Wildcats. That's right. But yeah. Jim Lee is actually a pretty decent artist, so, I mean, whatever. Fucking A. Alright, so hopefully, they'll probably, they'll probably get get pantsed a little bit, but there's probably, for cases like this, there's a, probably a maximum they can get for damages where... You know, it's not going to be two million. It won't be one million. It won't be five hundred thousand. They'll get pants though for probably you know who knows it could be tens of thousands on something like this. And again, Jim Valentino is proving just trying to prove a point. This is this is a, uh, one dear to your heart. This, this kind of, I mean, it, not because I've ever had anything stolen from me, but basically, there's a guy, uh, John Sakura, who works in Albuquerque, New Mexico, as uh, owner of a video game store, I believe, called uh, Gamers Anonymous. He had ordered three amiibos uh, from Japan. Uh, a Palutena, uh, a Pit, and a, a, a Zero Suit Samus. And um, I guess they were delivered to his mailbox, and someone pry barred open his mailbox wow. and stole the amiibos. Now, these were, as far as I can tell from the story, this wasn't a. Uh, this wasn't a, um, a mailbox attached to the store. This was, a ma- this was his mailbox. And he. Goes into one of his stores, uh, and he finds that his his one of his employees had bought back three amiibos, the exact same three amiibos that he had ordered, and uh, um, the, the, his store takes down the information of people who sell things. So he promptly uh, sent it over to the authorities, um, and hopefully the guy will get caught. What's Interesting to me about this is honestly, and I think he says he was lucky in here, but just how astonishingly lucky he is. I feel very bad because we get calls all the time from people in our neighborhoods, whether it's the Ocean Beach store or the La Mesa store, um, <clears throat> who have things stolen and they ask us to look out for them. And we do, and but I always tell people as kindly as I can. It is very rare for someone in the neighborhood, a thief, as stupid as criminals may be, uh, to be dumb enough to try to sell, like, say, video game stuff back to the neighborhood video game store. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the person's going to call first. Uh, In this case, it appears that that was not the case. This person was a fucking idiot. So did he give his real name when he sold them, you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, how much money could he have made off of this to prying open a? How, first of all, how did he know that this this was being delivered? Second of all, how did he know it was worth his time to pry open? How much are these worth? These these Japanese amiibo. Um, I mean, Japanese ones are usually cheaper. I I mean, I feel like this article has some inaccuracies in it. it says they're exclusive to Japan. These three? No, they're not. I mean, they might have. Uh, they might be for now. Uh, but they're not going to be exclusive forever. I think that's basically what it is. So we're talking $120 max or so? Like- yes, probably. Um, but, they're, yeah, they're only exclusive for now. 
Uh, it's not like these are never going to come over here. Um, so I would actually probably say imports 360. Yeah, I'd say 90 to 100. Um, but he is very lucky that the person was idiotic enough. I What also surprises me is I know that when we present a slip to someone to fill out for a large sale, mm-hmm. uh, if it's someone who is obviously sketchy, uh, they won't fill out the slip. They'll take their shit and they'll leave. I'll write down a description of the person, and if someone calls me, I will give them the description of the person. Um, I mean, there's nothing I can do if they say they're they're not going to sell to us. I, I can't. But I can at least give them a description. But, I mean, at the very least, even if you're a stupid crook, most of the time when you are presented with a slip to put your information down on, because we also... What's the requirement? What's the law requirement? They need a license to, to, to sell to you? Uh, no, that... no. I mean, honestly, in, in California, it's very lax. It's, it's actually very lax in California, and you can basically do whatever you want. But um, when we do slip, it's a thumbprint. So even if they put down fake information, you have the, okay, you there's have a the, thumbprint. Oh, there you go. So a lot, of, I'm like I said, I'm surprised that this person, I'm happy he did, but I'm surprised that this person even bothered to fill out the fucking slip. Criminals I, just smart. leaving a trail of breadcrumbs. Most criminals I, are most common criminals are not the smartest. No. I think it's funny. Now I look at the picture of the owner of Gamers Anonymous. He looks like a younger version of the interview ticket scalper. It looks like he's like a thirty, a twenty-five year younger version. Of oh, that's mean. No, I'm, I'm being just honest. I'll, I should put up a little comparison between the two to see he, he's in the ballpark. But he did the right thing, and I hope this got him to pay twice for his own own stuff. But it sounds like he probably had to at least. I mean, if this seller was nice, hopefully he made him just pay what he paid for him from the guy who stole. Him. Yeah, you know, not 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 mark it up. You know, all right, you're gonna pay a uh, hundred and forty instead of the thirty dollars or forty I I bought it from him for for whatever meth money. We are talking New Mexico, right? Albuquerque, yeah. Breaking Bad. So, so we're gonna talk some movie news. Yay. We're gonna start with the non Comic Con one real quick. People got upset, you know, at the casting of Spider Man for the new movie. Uh, but this this is good news to me just because this shows that. Uh, he's going to be in Civil War because they usually don't cast guys uh, two years out from a movie, a year out from filming uh, a movie, because Spider-Man's not coming out until 2017. But Marissa Tomei was cast as Aunt May. Marissa Tomei is so lovely. 50 years old. People are complaining that she's uh, she's young for Aunt May. Well, she is. I mean, because that's funny that you say she's 50. I, I She's eternally like 35. 35, 40, right? Yeah. She looks fantastic still. She, sure. Um, She's a great actress, obviously. She got a, a, a an Oscar for My Cousin Vinny. I don't, I don't want to be attracted to Aunt May. I, 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 you know what? I'll go freaky <laughs> on this one. Okay. Why not? Um, but remember, Spider-Man's like 15 years old. So 35 years old for an aunt's not out of the realm of possibility. Now, I know she's old as dirt in the in the, in the the original comics sure. and most lines. But when you think about it, it really doesn't make that much sense that you know his aunt would be 40 years older than his parents. It really doesn't make any Playing sense. Playing devil's advocate here, there are a lot of people who call their great aunts aunts. I certainly called mine aunt. Sure. If you want to say that, I guess it's never been explicitly stated. But uh, I think it's just cool because it's, it's fresher. And, um, you know, Sally Field... Eh, Sally Field played it fairly old. I like Sally Field in the role, actually. Mm-hmm. Actually, she did well. Rosemary Harris from the original Spider-Man movies, she played it, like, really old because she was really old. Uh, Sally Field was a little bit younger. Uh, and now you have Marissa Tomei, and people are joking, oh, the next one's going to be like a supermodel. You know, it's like, eh, I don't know, 35 years, and I, I mean, I don't know. I, there's, there's, there's more important things to be concerned about. And I think if Marvel has a vision, you know, they'll pull it off. 
But, but now, you know, you can't ever go back and watch The Wrestler or My Cousin Vinny ever again without thinking about how hot Aunt May is, I know. Great. Sorry. So let's talk about that Comic-Con Star Wars behind-the-scenes reel. So this was revealed, um, I watched the entire panel online, which again, well, there's a reason you should have went to this panel, and the one reason why I should have went online with James from 9am, because after the Star Wars panel at Comic-Con, they had a, a freaking impromptu, or, or it was set up, concert for all the attendees of that of that panel in, in, the, in, the, in the Hall H, which holds about 6,000 people. They all got tickets, they walked them all to the bay right behind where Comic-Con is. Um at the convention center and they all got lightsabers and they had a fucking orchestrated concert uh, with the big screen from the movies and they even ended it with fireworks. I didn't I didn't even know that. That's pretty spectacular. You didn't know that? No. That was like the highlight of Comic-Con. Um, what what uh, what day was that? That was... Uh, Saturday? Or was Friday. That Friday. It was Friday night. Uh, so basically the call cleared. Kevin Smith tweeted that, oh great, the, the hall's empty now for his panel. <laughs> <laughs> but it was totally a surprise and it was funny because early in the day, I, or on Thursday or early Friday, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. There's a some sort of weird concert thing. Like, you could see the chair set up you saw at this stage. And you're like, I'm just yeah. wondering, I was just wondering what that was for, whether it was even Comic-Con related. Turns out it was. And then the stars come out. And on the panel, you had all the new stars. And you had um, oh, the original cast. Oh, Peter, Peter May- Mayhew, you know, they, they kept him in the front row. They give a shout-out. Like, yeah, Peter Mayhew, great. But you had Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford comes out in the crowd fucking went nuts I had a friend who I have a friend who really likes Peter Mayhew and he was like a nice guy yeah but I mean he was signing pictures yeah he had his own booth he had his own booth he was signing pictures I'm like shit I'm gonna get my buddy uh I'm gonna get him a signed picture and then I looked at how much Peter Mayhew was charging for a signed picture how much like 75 to 100 well I guess he must pay for that booth he's been at that comic he's been there forever sure but I was just like uh, he's getting that new Star Wars money I'm like I can't He's Chewbacca again, though. I said I want to, but like it was like Sunday was the first time I saw it, and like my my con funds are dwindling. Seventy five like, is hefty for an I, autograph. It is. I do twenty five. Oh sure, if it had been twenty five, I, I would have got him the autograph I I, in a heartbeat. But, I think I paid fifteen or twenty for Sir George uh, Lazenby. Uh, really, really good Bond, underrated. And uh, yeah, actually, as a quick side note, there wasn't a lot of uh, autograph signings. People like people that there that I had any interest in even seeing or walking past this year. But anyway, so. They J.J. Abrams came out. They talked about the movie. J.J. Abrams is a likable guy. Obviously, the cast comes out. They joke, blah, blah, blah. Um, so then they showed this behind-the-scenes reel. The trailer's t- still too far away. It's going to be probably a few months. Usually, tradi- traditionally, the last trailer comes out two to three months before a movie comes out. So you're going to be looking at late September, probably, for a trailer. I can't wait like for that. everything to be ruined. Anyways. Well, eh, it wasn't ruined as much for, the, I guess, the other Star Wars trailers, but okay. Um, so... It was a behind-the-scenes reel talking to Mark Hamill and a lot of the stars and the new stars, just talking about the process and what what's going on in this production. And a huge emphasis was placed on the fact that we're using real sets. God. We're using real locations. We're using models. Hell, uh, when they had Daisy Ridley, I think was in the I think it was the, the, the Morning Falcon turret. Yeah, it was, a, had it, it was a mechanized thing that was... And the guy yeah, was controlling it and moving it around. And uh, they showed the puppets. They brought out the, the one puppet. The first ever footage was, uh, from this movie, at least of a puppet or, or, or creature, was J.J. Emmers was, was doing a charity thing, and they, they had this guy with like a camelback walk out, this monster uh, creature. Not a creature, a nice-looking guy with a pack on his, uh, on his camel hump sort of back. And that came out, and it was being controlled, and the eyes and nose twitched. Yep. You're like, holy shit, this is insane. To see this, and so they did a, uh, they did, a, they went, they went. I'll just say they went out of their way to say that this is not like the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Now the prequel trilogy, 
uh, did have very limited sets, and they did use exteriors a little bit in, in the first and second movies. In the first movie, they did go into a desert for for the Tatooine scenes. In the second movie, the exteriors were used uh, a real set for the great romantic subplot between Anakin and Padme. Where it looked like they, I think they filmed it maybe in Italy with the nice little rivers and yeah. stuff. Other than that, though, pretty slim pickings for real locations. Uh, they built some stuff, obviously. Usually stuff was built against green screens. Green. Giant 40-foot and 30-foot wide green screens. But for the most part, physical the real locations was kept to a minimum. Here, that's basically all they're doing is real locations and real sets. Uh, which is obviously fantastic. Yeah, the only it's thing, I, the only thing I, I have to say about it is that um, I get very excited for practical effects. I get very excited for sets. Um, and what was most interesting to me was to see how excited the actors were to be working against on, on real sets mm-hmm. with uh, real with practical effects. Because I mean, just think about it: you're an actor, especially. I mean, think. I mean, think you're Harrison Ford, right? And you've gone through movies from, I mean, practical effects through CG. Imagine how boring that shit must oh, be sure. to act on right now, you know? And then you get to go back to doing something the old-fashioned way, but using modern technology to craft these sets and make them look even better. There was a shot, and it's very brief, early on, where they show like this hulking ship, right? And they briefly pan out and show you the miniature. And like a little camera filming the miniature. Nice. And it's just it it, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, doing I can't imagine making models being that much more expensive than doing it but via CG. You got to hire the artist to do a CG. You got to hire a model maker. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and hell, I'm not even saying you got to have the guys fly it around like on sticks, but at least make the model and put that into the computer, and that's a lot better. That's all. That's sure. one step closer than 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 just you know having a guy draw it out. Like I've always the human said, eye can detect differences. People understand, like, like the human eye can detect differences. Still, we're I, we're getting closer. But you go back and even watch episode three. Uh, the, the, well, the C, well the CG for the for the the the, the uh, space fights is one thing, but the backgrounds are horrific. Right, yeah, no, they're I, horrific. They're, they're, and that's what I've always said. That shit's not going to age well. In in twenty in twenty in twenty or thirty years, they'll redo them. <laughs> the, 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 the prequel. Well, yeah, the prequel trilogy is going to look like utter shit. Whereas the original trilogy is still more or less going to stand up. They filmed it in a real, like, you know, an ice glacier. They filmed it in a freaking California forest. Yeah, exactly. They went to those places. Yep. They, they went to Tunisia. You know, I think it was it was just sort of the bad timing for, uh, you know, Lucas always said he wanted to wait until the technology was right to do the prequels. Okay. I, I think it, it's like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. People asking if we could do this and never asked if we should do it. Should we make a character like Jar Jar Binks? That's totally CG. Right. Should we do that? Should we make that going from hadn't really been done before to now we're doing it and it's thrown in your freaking face for for uh, you know an entire movie? Now all I can think about is Jeff Goldblum reclining with his shirt unbuttoned from Jurassic Park as he's healing. Um, <coughs> great, Ian. I want to think about it too. I'll try to get on with this, but but it's interesting that let it infect it, you. It's not like that. It's not like Episode Three did bad business. It did. It did pretty good business. I'll bring up the box office mojo while I talk about this. But obviously, Disney has a huge investment in this first movie. They're, they're going to have at least one. It's going to be like the Marvel movies. You're going to have one or two movies a year coming out going forward with both the anthology of seven, eight, and nine, and then the standalone movies. They already announced, uh, you know, a Boba Fett one's going to happen. Rogue One's definitely going to come out already next Christmas. You're like, what is, is this Christmas? Yeah, there's going to be another one, and then oh yeah, episode eight. Five months after that, in 2017, for the fourth anniversary of Star Wars. So Disney has a lot riding on this first movie. Not that anything's going to fail, but they want 
the jaded fans like me to make sure they see it. Obviously, you're going to have kids see it. You're going to have the hardcore Star Wars fans. But there are those fans that sort of fell off the wagon like me where it's like, okay, what do you got? Like, I'm going to see this anyway, but this is like this was the reassurance. This was like the free hand job to say, okay, this is going to be good. We, we promise you this is going to be good. You're going to come see this. That's what this th- three-minute reel basically looked like to me. They still have to sell me. I am one of those fans that you're talking about. I'm one of those people you're talking about. They still need to sell me, but with every little thing they trickle out, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think this is something I'm going to actually enjoy. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't call it so much a slap in the face to Lucas. It doesn't make Lucas seem good uh, by basically saying, oh, whatever that guy did in those other three movies, that's not happening this time. But again, I think it's sort of a reassurance that, okay, we heard your complaints. We realized that way it went over, may have been overboard. This is what we got. So Star Wars Episode Three. Now, of course, this is uh, already, wow, 10 years ago, there's going to be some inflation. Not a huge amount. There actually been, hasn't been a lot of inflation in the past 10, 15 years. Uh, compared historically other time periods. But it made $380 million domestically. For a Star Wars movie, it could do better. You know, it could do a little bit better than that. Yeah, that's not good. Um, so I, I think Disney is going to bank on doing, you know, f- five, six hundred, seven hundred, eight. Yeah. You know, that's probably what they're looking to get out of this. And plus that they're banking on this having enough momentum to going into the standalone movies and then episode eight and nine. So we'll see what happens. Suck. Yeah, it, it, did, it did worldwide $850 million. Uh, for a Star Wars movie, it could do better. You know, we're talking about the biggest film franchise ever. You know, it, it can sure. do, it can do better at this point. So I'm excited for it. You'll see the you'll see the trailer in a few months. Um, you know, I hope certain people characters don't die, but there's rumors about who comes back, who doesn't. So everyone looks great, though. Carrie Fisher looked great. Uh, I think Mark Hamill looks fantastic. You know, he sort of steps in where Sir Alec he aged was. gracefully. Oh yeah, he he looks great. I, I hope I hope he sticks around for. He, he I actually, hope he has a major role. He looks big. He looks better now than he did back was, back then. In Return of the Jedi, that shit butterscotch <laughs> blonde haircut, that Lego haircut. Yeah, that he had. What the fuck was that? <laughs> that was really unbecoming. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know that was not the best look. He should have kept with it with the Empire cut. You're yeah, right. Yeah, that was that was like the super cuts look. Hey, so let's talk about another movie. Woo! Ian, you're excited about the DC Universe, I know. Yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> the Batman vs. Superman Comic-Con trailer came out. Uh, it's, I mean, essentially... Extended trailer. Yeah, it's, like it's a, the extended three trailer. Three and a half, three and a half minutes. minutes, yes. And... Be look, to, to, Be to, my, to, to, to the people who like me, I, I'm sorry, I just can't get that worked up about this anymore. And to the people who hate me, look, I'm just not going to talk a whole ton of shit, but I am going to say a few things about it. That was one of the most ham-fisted fucking trailers I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Illegal alien. You killed your parents. We really need another flashback fucking shot of Batman's parents being killed? I'm just breaking what I said. Anyways, I, I, I said you know what? Worked out. I, people were complaining about uh, Spider-Man having a potential third origin. Every freaking Batman movie, maybe except for one, like five Batman movies, have shown his parents being shot with different actors. Oh my god, Batman it's... Forever did it. You know the the new the new ones did with Christian Bale, and I guess they're doing it again. And in the fucking like scene where like Superman's standing there and like it's all slow motion and the people are working. Is this the <laughs> over dramatic horse shit that you guys actually want to see? It's fucking ridiculous. It's, it's dark. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's so grim dark. Um, I mean, here, here, are the, here, here's two things I can say positively about, about okay, this. Okay. Okay. Um, um, one, 
Your net, oh your oh my god, no, hold on, hold on. The worst was like chubby looking Batman in the desert <laughs> breaking a dude's neck because all the DC superheroes <laughs> fucking kill people now. Um, I like I like how somehow he got the as Bruce Wayne, he got the you let your parents die newspaper. Yes. And, and Affleck's like grim like I, I'm sorry. I know he's a good actor. He sort of found a, sec- found a second career. I still don't buy Affleck as Batman. No, I, I, I think the thing is, is I, I actually, want to because I kind of, I really don't mind Affleck. But like, I don't mind this, him. I just don't buy him as Batman. And, and this whole Batman thing, like, like I said, the him, like he's wearing like these this bulky ass suit and he's fighting some people in the fucking desert. Like, where the hell does that come from? And he breaks someone's neck. It's like, what is this shit, Batman? I mean, Batman kills. Let's be honest, Batman does kill, but. Uh, Not as much in the comic, though. Batman kills. I mean, he can he, kill. Oh, something's happening off fucking panel. I mean, these people do not get beat up and magically live. Sure. Okay, but anyways, to just show it so blatantly in the trailer. Ha it, ha! Jokes on you, Batman. Sorry. Yeah, it's just so. Yeah, I said I wasn't gonna get worked up. Anyways. Um, I still think the armor suit for Batman looks cool with the vocoder. I might be the only person. It's like Dark that. Knight Return suit. They're kind of do it. And I will say this, just as I'll- a just just in terms of trailer structure, because we've been going on about this for a couple podcasts. I still don't know enough about. Yes, it's Batman v Superman, obviously v, not verse. Um, but they are still. I think they're still clouding enough things that at least for fans who want to see it there may be some surprises in store. That's all I can say good about I, it. I think it's cool that Thomas Wayne's played by the comedian and, and, and Zack Snyder's Watchmen. they got the same actor, which I can't escape right now, but a very good actor. Um, I just think... I, I'm, I'm actually being objective here because I've, I saw all three uh, Nolan trilogy in, in theaters. I saw Superman, uh, Superman uh, Man of Steel in theaters, and I, I thought it was... Oh, Ian hated it. People that call me a Marvel fan, but I thought it was okay for a summer popcorn movie. And obviously, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Superman fan to say, "Oh well, I, it did." It did bother me <laughs> that all the, all the buildings getting destroyed. Now, this is my well. Question. It starts with more fucking destruction porn right at the beginning. Now, too. this this is my question, though. Yes. Was this story planned out from Man of Steel from the beginning, or was this story a reaction to the major backlash of fans saying, "Why the fuck are you having Superman?" Uh, in this battle, destroying all these buildings and having all the people getting killed. I can't tell. That's, I mean, that's, that's my question. There's a scene in the beginning of the trailer where the buildings are crumbling and, like, uh, Bruce, you know, Wayne's, Bruce Wayne's co- covering someone and they're talking about Superman having too much power. And the only thing I'm trying to figure out is, is this supposed to be, like, an immediate follow-up backlash to the end of that movie? Which is what you're kind of saying. Did they get the idea, like, oh, that's a good idea for, for this next movie? Because remember, originally... This wasn't planned. They were going to do no. another Superman movie. Yes. Then they said, oh, we want to do this Justice League thing. And plus, Superman, Man of Steel didn't do the best numbers. It did decently. But they're like, oh, maybe we don't trust another Superman movie to come out. Let's, mm, let's move towards Justice League. because it was fucking horseshit. Um, what do you think about Jesse Eisenberg as Luther? Do, do you like that? Do you think it's intriguing at all? Um, was that in the Batman vs. Superman trailer? That, I'm getting them mixed up. Yes. Um, yeah, actually, no. He that- did like five, six times. He, that is with this long, full, yeah. like he, basically your hair. Yep. <laughs> no, um, I mean it's not gonna make me see the movie, but I actually found the way he was acting interesting. There was something interesting about that to me. There was. I actually didn't hate that. He acted more like a swarmy frat boy. Yep. There instead was instead of a diabolical genius. Yeah, and if you're gonna just fuck a whole set of superheroes and franchises, anyways, just, go, just do, just go all. Then, all out. then at least give me one that looks interesting, and I do. 
I have I, I I should have mentioned that before because I, I was thinking Suicide Squad, um, I which is on our docket. Um, I do think Eisenberg's Luther looks like a fairly interesting interpretation interesting. of the character. Perhaps not good, but at least interesting. Uh, Gal Gadot shows up, or Gadot, whatever you want to say it, as Wonder Woman for a few shots. Um, I, I've sort of, I've given her some, some some flack for not being built. She's still not super big. She probably got in as best shape as she could with her frame. You know, she, she's somewhat tall, but she's still a small frame. I saw, I saw. She just wh- didn't look very Wonder Womany. I mean, she's running around with a shield and a sword, and then there's the, the, the I mean, the. She's toned, but again, I saw women at Comic Con dressed as Wonder Woman. They're like, oh, that's Wonder Woman. She's like six feet tall. Right. You know, she's an Amazon. She's an Amazon. That's Wonder Woman. She can kill me. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. And then, of course, Jason Momoa has a cameo as Aquaman. That's like the only one that I actually want to see. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, probably stupidly, that that movie ends up being good. Probably stupidly? Probably uh, That the stupidly. Aquaman be, is good? Yes. Yeah, I... I, well, I like the idea of where they're going with that character for that movie. Like I said, once again... If you're gonna fuck an entire franchise of characters, give me something interesting, and I think what they're going to do with Aquaman could be neat. Yeah, the more actually, the more I look at Wonder Woman, uh, I don't like it. I also don't like well, I, I, the fact that there's apparently no colors in, in Zack Snyder's universe. We don't need colors. Oh no, no, no! You just it's get just grim and dark. There's actually there's actually a trailer out, out there that, that someone took the uh, took uh, Man of Steel. And desaturated it, and actually brought the colors back. Oh yeah, yeah. And it yeah. looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. <laughs> I know. Do you see that yeah. blue skies, yep. blue and red popping out of you? Know, how it's mm-hmm. how like when they actually shot it, that were the actual colors. You know, was it? It wasn't muted colors. Did it change the fact that he's a natural disaster? No, I don't think it did. Oh, but, no, Zack Snyder. No, no, Superman. Oh. Because that's basically what he is in the movie. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. They have Zod show up. Someone highly got Zod's body. Uh, Luther. Is 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 licking his chops basically over over, over finding kryptonite, so they they're bringing that in because otherwise, I guess Batman has a stand a chance. I'm just gonna say this, and I'm, again, I'm being objective here because I will. I didn't probably see this in the theater. Oof. I just think it looks boring. Yeah, no, it does. I just think it just looks boring. Well, I, from the from, okay. from from what you see, uh, you just have a lot of well, you know, uh, Superman is a, is a beacon of hope for some, and he's a monster to others. A legal alien, like you said with the sign. Oh, I don't get the I don't get the metaphor there, um, but then. Even the direction, this, the, just the direction you see is just sort of average and just, the, like, the final, like, the shot that's supposed to be, like, all the action shots, like, with Wonder Woman is, like, medium close-up with her yeah. shield and armor. The, then, the, then the shot, another medium close-up, you have Superman do his, his uh, heat heat vision, heat heat beams at Batman, and it cuts to Batman who flies away with the grappling hook. It's like, that's the most boring way you could have shot that to me. It's Zack Snyder phoning in Zack Snyder. <laughs> you, oh, really? You think he's just totally... <laughs> he doesn't... I don't believe that man gives a fuck about anything. Do you think you think Warner Brothers, if this doesn't do... This will do good business. But do you think that they'll uh, have someone else do the, the two Justice League movies if this doesn't come out the way they want? No. Well, yes, maybe. I, I just know. think it's sort of okay. strange to entrust the entire universe to Zack Snyder, basically. That's basically what you're doing. You know, yeah, that's, that's... I, but I don't. I don't think that's a good idea with any movie universe. Oh no, w- which is why I'm glad that like Star Wars, they're getting different directors. For but all they of are them. doing different directors for some of the standalone movies. Like, yes, they like, are. like Aquaman. The reason why I'm I'm even remotely interested in Aquaman is because it's not done by Zack Snyder. It's in his universe, and sure. I'm worried that they're going to fuck it up by keeping it in his universe. But it's not actually directed by him. So, any any final thoughts on on this great trailer before we segue to the next part of the the uh, the universe, the Zack Snyder verse? Just go. Just, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm actually. I gave this a lot of flack when it was announced. This is during the Solo Podcast. They announced this. 
uh, about them doing the Suicide Squad movie. I was like, eh, sort of a weird property to do it. I still think that. I also think it's weird that, uh, uh, say what you will about Marvel's TV shows, what, I, hell, I, I liked Agent Carter a lot. I still don't give a shit about uh, the uh, a, uh, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., the S.H.I.E.L.D. show. I don't care. I, I'll never watch that. But at least they have one universe, TV and movie together. Yes. DC, for some reason, they're going to have two Flashes. They have two Suicide Squads. Uh, you had the Green Green Arrow, you have different Suicide Squads versus the movie, whatever. So the trailer, this was leaked uh, during... Uh, David Ayer direct, is directing this. And they someone did a little cell phone... It's like we're some sort of suicide squad. <laughs> Look, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you real quick, okay. because all I'm going to say is this about Suicide Squad, and then you can just take over the segment. I watched the trailer after it leaked. I watched it twice today in preparation for <clears throat> the for the podcast. Mm-hmm. That is the only part I remember, besides Joker saying at the end, I'm going to hurt you real bad. You thinking Batman v Superman is going to be boring? This looks like the most boring piece of shit I've seen. I honestly don't remember any other scenes, and I've watched the trailer three fucking times. Uh, okay, I actually have a more positive view. I don't think it's fantastic. I think it's interesting that it looks like the movie is structured based upon the trailer of exploring the past of these supervillains and why they did that. They're making Will Smith's, what is he, Deadshot? Deadshot. They're making him a sympathetic character. Was that something that Will Smith was required to, to, in his contract? That it's cause This is going to be a Will Smith and, Har- and Harley Quinn movie. Yes. Basically. Which is, which is why Will Smith is is surpassed to me Tom Cruise in terms of now when you see Will Smith in a movie you know what you're going to get <laughs> and it's not going to it's going to be Will Smith you know so he must really have liked this this script or got paid a ton of money to be in this cuz we're no longer in the times of 5 6 years ago where Will Smith automatically being in a movie means box office gold that's yeah. sort of gone away no i yeah. i found it really weird i mean i still think it's they show Deadshot hugging a kid, like his child yeah. that he had. He probably, oh, I got to rob banks or something to help out my kid or something. So he's going to be sympathetic. But it's still, all I'm saying is it struck me as very odd and it still does that he, Will Smith is or somehow sh- landed landed in this movie. From kind of suicide squad. It's like we're some sort of suicide squad. <laughs> That's what I call close encounter. You know, it's just like, it's like, they, it's like they had to give him the line. That's yeah. his contract. You must get the cheesy line of the movie in the script. Please, please make sure you say the title of the movie in the trailer. Which is why, again, why I didn't like Watchmen, because they called themselves Watchmen, which they never did in the comic, but whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Harley Quinn was the heavy focus in here, uh, which to me is strange, because casual audience will know who the hell she is. No, uh, they will. I saw more Harley Quinns at Comic-Con Comic-Con is than not anyone. casual. Yes, casual is. is person that lives upstairs. Are we really going to say that Comic-Con is not casual at this point? Are we really going to say that Harley Her- Quinn is not incredibly well-known at this point? Yes, I will say that. Okay, you're insane. I, you want to you ask 100 people like Family Feud? Name yeah. f- name five super super. No, hero but women. I'm just saying if you put her in front of a, a person, they're going to probably be like, "That's Harley." Really? I w- they're they're going to say, "I watched the comic, uh, uh, watched the anime series twenty years ago, so I know who that is." She's oversaturated. They put her on fucking everything. She's What's been everything? in. She's been in every. What? Huh? What, what has she been in? She's been in every single Batman video game in the past four or five years. And that and that's common person. Okay. Yes, well, it is. It's well, people who play Call of Duty. Okay. So okay. We play sports games. Okay, we'll do. We'll agree to disagree. Okay, but I'll say this though: she was the focus. She, you heard her accent a little bit. It's not going to. I don't think it's going to be as heavy as heavy Brooklyn as no. the anime series. But that could be a good decision too. I didn't. But, hear, I didn't. It didn't sound. I hope you got your insurance paid up. It was. It was in there a little bit. Like it's like going to. I don't really remember anything from it, but I don't remember her sounding like anything. She had different. two lines. Okay. Like, that was one line. I hope you have your insurance paid. 
She's in the car with Joker. Batman's on the hood because so, Batman's going to be in this. You forgot everything. So that's probably a flashback scene for how he captured Joker and Harley Quinn. Are you serious? Batman was in the trailer? He was on the hood of the car. Okay. <laughs> cool. you got to watch it a fourth also, time. No, I'm um, just never going to watch it again because it's not fucking worth I it. I think this is interesting, but again, it looks it looks a little mundane. I don't know if, I don't know if it's required to direct these things. All the same way from Snyder, like you, you get Snyder's like sort of photo book of the shots you're allowed to do in a movie. It's like a bologna and mustard sandwich on white bread. <laughs> okay, so we'll get to talking about Jared Leto. He shows up finally. You hear his laugh, his ah, 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 which is fine. You gotta have a Joker laugh. He shows up looking shirtless to show off his tattoos, and he's torturing. If you uh, if you get the snippets, he's torturing Harley Quinn. Maybe before she becomes Harley Quinn, you can see it. it's on a spoiler. It's in the trailer. It's right there. He goes, "I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hit you real bad." It's a fine. For, I mean, for the Joker, what else can you do at this point? We'll see how it stacks up against everyone else. Honestly, I mean, the whole shock of how bad that Joker looks is so over at this point that you're you're over seeing. I based damage. it basically on the performance and that part. One of two parts that I re- actually remember was far less offensive than I thought it was going to be. I just don't know why Joker has to be shirtless. I just don't understand that. He's got to show off his tats. Because he's Leto. There's, 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 a, there's a cool little... <laughs> there's a great uh, cartoon short that someone did about the Joker. People joke with the Joker sit down for tattoos. It's like a two-minute thing of the Joker sit down. Oh, yeah, by the way, can you do like the, do the font in my head? Like, do the, like the script cursive? Can you like, do that? be cool. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be cool. My parents are going to flip out. Yeah, bad. Like, it's the funniest little short that really... Yeah, that's how Joker's got to sit down for all these intricate yeah. tattoos. <laughs> can you picture him doing that? Probably not. Y- you know, but that's... Like I said, that's besides the point. The tattoos are in. It's whether or not Alito's performance will... Will you, will, you, will you be able to look past that? That's what we're looking at. For that, I'm not. I'm not going to go see it, so I don't have to look past <laughs> you anything. Don't care. I don't have to look past shit. You're going to have to look past the. It Jake. was like staring at a white wall for three and a half minutes. I can't believe you didn't see Batman. <laughs> no, I didn't. I literally did not see Batman in that trailer. And I'm not lying. I it watched looks, it three times. There's like humorous elements. There's like someone with a machine gun with like a cartoon Batman mask on, real quick. That's in there. Fire! You look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I can just make up shit now. Yeah, you could. You could tell me anything about this trailer, and I would believe you. Devil Dinosaur somehow showed up, <laughs> even though he's not DC. He was in there. I would see it then. You see Devil Dinosaur? See so this comes out, uh, looks like August 5th, 2016. This would be like three or four months. This comes out I of think... my ass in <laughs> just over a year. Um, I think I think Batman v Superman comes out like March, so it's like four or five months in between. Yeah, I did notice that the release dates were actually pretty close. So They, wa- they don't want to go anywhere near Civil War in May. And then you no. have Doctor Strange, I think, in July. Uh, something like that July, Something like that is, is really good. Or April, April and July, something like that. Can I talk about a trailer that excites me? Talk about Ian. Talk about this is now. This is your. This is the 50th episode. I want you to be happy about a trailer. I am so what, happy about a trailer. What, why is Ian always so negative I'm about not. them? Ian hates everything. I don't. And one thing I don't <laughs> hate is Ash or Evil Dead. So I'm actually really goddamn excited about the Ash vs Evil Dead trailer. Man, am I excited Upcoming for this. Upcoming stars TV series. I am 100 fucking percent going to pay whatever money I need to pay to my cable provider to put stars on my very basic cable. So, Evil Dead means a lot to me. Um, I, I actually, as a kid, like like a kid, uh, my dad let my, bro- my younger brother and I watch uh, Army of Darkness. And I fucking loved that movie. That movie was fantastic. It's really good. And then I got into like late uh, late middle school, um, and you know I was I was I was skateboarding, and you know my friends were, and I were talking about movies, and they were like, "Have you ever seen Evil Dead?" I'm like, "No, I have no idea what it is." 
and they're like, oh, well, it's three movies, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and uh, Army of Darkness. I'm like, I've seen Army of Darkness. And they're like, well, then you need to see the first two, which I did, and I love them. I love, I love each one for a different reason. I love Evil Dead because I think it's a, a good zombie movie. Like, Evil Dead 2 for just the absurdity of it. Remember, they're demons, not zombies. They're demons, whatever, fine. People for the, in the comment section. For for the absurdity of it, mm-hmm. um, and then Army of Darkness for the, <coughs> the 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 stop motion and all that cool stuff. Oh, it was great! Just just the humor of it. But it's like a John Wayne character in like yeah. a weird setting. But I and I love I adore Bruce Campbell. Who doesn't? I think he's great. Um, so you know he's gotten a little bit more into shape. You can see it in his arms, but he's still a little pudgy. He's a guy in his mid fifties. He's by a guy now, in his mid. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, that's not an insult. He's just a guy who's who's getting older. But the trailer looked great. Um, it made it look like it's going to be a good TV series. Um, brings back some classic elements like the chainsaw. Um, it looks like it really. See, the thing is, they use like the same font, and I'm one of these people who pays attention to these things. And I was worried that it was going to try to go a bit darker, like the Evil Dead remake, which I didn't see. But I, I didn't see. I heard it was good. But I didn't see it. By all accounts, I heard I heard a lot of mixed things on it, so I haven't seen it yet. Um, but this definitely looks like t- looks like it still has the very weird but very violent humor. Oh, this is ultra violent. Ultra violent, but, but still funny. But 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 over the top, like Evil Dead Two was. Mm-hmm. Like just, I mean. <laughs> I loved Evil Dead 2 because, like, literally just gallons of blood everywhere, you know? Oh, yeah. So this... It, it, and the thing is, is, like, when you watch Bruce Campbell <clears throat> in this trailer, or in anything, really, he's ever done, the man never misses his comedic timing. He never fucking skips a beat. He's just perfect at it. So this is something, fuck all, y'all, that I am 100% looking yeah. forward to. <laughs> it's funny because when they announced the teaser like three, four months ago, I had no idea they were doing this. I was like, what? I was like, because remember, like 10 years ago when people would always ask, especially during the Spider-Man movies, because Campbell, because Raimi, the Raimi, Raimi Spider-Man yeah. movies, he put his buddy Bruce Campbell <clears throat> in a cameo 3, people always go, why don't you do another evil uh, dead movie? And R- Raimi and Campbell were like, oh, well, he's too old now. And that was only 10 years after... 10, 12 years after uh, you know, Army of Darkness, where yeah. they, they could have pulled it off still. Um, so I said, no, he's too old. I, I remember one quote was like, yeah, we pull back from a crater, and it's like a pimple on Ash's old ass. I remember that as one of the quotes they always said to me. Because they would always get asked at every convention, when are you doing another movie? And they're like, yeah. we're not doing another movie. We're not doing another movie. Well, they're doing a series somehow, so I guess the timing has to be right for everything for someone like this. Well, I guess it's 20 years old. It's now nostalgic for it. You know, well, you got to think, you know, both these guys have slowed, slowed down sure. in terms of what they're doing. Um, people have probably stopped asking, so they're probably they're probably no longer quite as sick of being asked this question. And you can do a TV series with a smaller budget, smaller budget, but you have more creative freedom in terms of storylines and characters. Exactly. I would, say, I would say, say I'd rather see. I don't want a Star Trek movie. I want the, a Star Trek series. Yes. You can you have know? a longer. You can have a longer arc. You can do more things with the storyline and the characters. You can Take flesh more them out. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's. I'm not kidding. My my basic cable plan is crap right now. We got basic cable because it it made our internet cheaper. But if we want to add like a station to our basic cable, it's like twenty eight fucking dollars a month. But if this is not on Hulu Plus or Amazon or or something like that, like almost it's gotta immediate, be. But but I mean like almost immediately after the episode airs, I'm gonna fork over the money until the series the season ends. I, I think I think you're going to be in luck, or else you can come over here and watch it. You know, I'll DVR it for you. We have we can have we can have Ash vs Evil Dead date night. We don't have enough date nights anymore. That would be we, cute. We don't do tacos anymore together. It kind of because I work me. every Tuesday. Well, you know, tacos are on Tuesday. That's <laughs> well, Taco Monday too. 
Uh, is it? Half, half, half apps all day. Oh. On Monday. I told you that. Yeah. Anyway. Calamari. Good calamari. Uh, um, yeah, it's great. Um, I think it's interesting that it'll be interesting to see if an actor coming back to a role 20 years later will be able to be able to not play himself as much as that character. People were complaining, oh, it seems like it's not the Ash of old. Well, it's 20 years later. It's going to be hard. And plus, well, maybe Bruce Campbell doesn't want to play as directly gung-ho and over-the-top machismo as he did you know, in 93. Sure, so, but to a degree, a lot of Ash was just Bruce Campbell. I mean, yeah, obviously he was adding layers on top of it, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very hard for him not to deliver, at least a little bit on the character, especially if they play into the fact that this is Ash aged mm-hmm. as he should be since the last time we saw him. Sure, now people were complaining that, well, why isn't this the director, this isn't, you can't do this because of the director's cut ending of Army of Darkness. He goes into the future because he does too many drops and he falls... He falls asleep for yeah. too long. I don't care. You're getting freaking ash. You're, you're it's, getting, the, it's Evil this, Dead. Shut this up. This is better. <laughs> this is better than a movie. Do people forget that the beginning of Evil Dead Two is like a completely re, redone ending of Evil Dead One? Was like, it, was it like just a reboot? Evil Dead Two, really? Yes. Yeah. Just really yeah a Evil Dead Two is basically a reboot. A, re- so, a remake. So, yeah. so there is no <laughs> there <laughs> there is no precedent for this, or there is precedent for this sort of thing happening. I just love that these these uh, television stations are doing stuff like this. Me too. This is like the, this is like the golden age of television we were in. It basically is with HBO and Showtime doing stuff. Stars, even like uh, you know AMC and A and E putting out great shows mm-hmm. and effects. I was like, this is it. Like this is the best TV's ever been. You have. I'm, I'm still trying to get through the first uh, season of True Detective. It's amazing. I want to watch. That See really McConaughey bad. acting against Woody Harrelson. It's like amazing. Like yeah. you would never think of that even ten years ago. Uh, that'd be a movie. Is that on like, Netflix right now? Um, it's on HBO Go. So you need to have a cable uh, thing to go on HBO Go or. Uh-oh, you might have to get HBO Go. Yeah, I might have to. Series. I really want to see that. It's fantastic. So, this comes out in the fall. I'm excited. I just don't know if it's an hour-long or a half-hour show. You assume it'll be an hour, but... I knows? would assume half, but... You assume half? I half? would assume half. So, like, 13 episodes, half-hour sort of thing? Yeah. Ah, so... Then X-Files comes back early next year. Oh, period. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hopefully they can reinstill my faith in that show. Oh, I, I want them to. I'm going to go into it with open arms... To all the people who said negative, I am going to go into that and give it and give it the best shot because I want that to be good. Did you, did you see that little five minute? Oh, it was it was a thirty second commercial, but they, they showed like three seconds of new footage where they got the flashlights going in a dark room. And, and, you, hear, and, you, and you hear Mulder go, Scully. <laughs> and I was like, Ah, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Q and A time. It's time for Q and A. Andrew Cappadocia at Handicap. What's your overall thoughts on Comic Con exclusives? Buy into it or think it's all silly. He's probably referring to Comic Con exclusive toys for the most part. Right. Of which every year that there's probably at least three dozen that come out. I will touch on the, the toys and I, I want to discuss it. We can talk the toys, but I want to touch on something else too. Um, exclusive toys drives me nuts. Now, for the most part, these things are not. Everyone knows someone. These things are not generally as hard to get as most people think. They make a ton of them usually. For the most part. Um, but, you know, I feel bad for people who go to these things and they get hung up on the exclusive toy or the exclusive bit of shelf candy that they're going to lose interest in in three months' time because instead of waiting in line for three hours, instead of getting to the, the convention center at 5.30 in the morning to get a ticket... To get so a that, ticket! So that you can literally wait in line for another ticket so that you can wait in line to get a random Lego exclusive. You don't even get to fucking choose! Why don't you just walk around and enjoy your convention? I think it's funny how there's people that do this to make money, 
They'll travel to Comic Con. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so glad they look so miserable. They spend mo- listen, listen, people. They spend money to travel to Comic Con. Even if they're just driving, they're spending gas money. They gotta sit, stay at a hotel somewhere, spend money to wait and get up. Like you said, like four in the morning, five in the morning to get a ticket. That gives you the right to stand in line for hours at the Hasbro booth, which is basically a store, or the Mattel booth. Lego's even worse now. To buy, to buy stuff that you'll then try to flip on eBay. So let's say you make 100% profit on some of this stuff. I'll just say, hey, maybe you made $800, because you, there's a limit to how much you can buy. You can't just buy 20 things. Some of the stuff, yeah. you know, some of these scalpers know what to look for. For instance, like the Magic cards to, uh, that, that Hasbro does every year, um, they go up in price every year, but you can usually flip them for three to four times. But okay. still. Three to four times. But, but you're not getting that with every item. So, okay, let's just say, let's just say <laughs> the average, let's just say they sell this stuff and make an average of five, six hundred dollars Seven hundred, eight hundred. is that reasonable? Is that low or high? $800 they make profit? I mean, depending on how much they're buying. Okay. I mean, I mean, you can make a lot if you really do it. But the thing is, is like a lot of these items, there's items that will definitely get you money. But then there are items that are not evergreen. For instance, like say the My Little Pony from three, four years ago, the the one, the 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 derpy one, the blue one mm-hmm. with the the, the eyes. Um, that one ended up going was on sale for twenty five and ended up selling for say about a hundred to one hundred and twenty online. The okay? yeah okay. Now, as of last year's pony, it sold for market price. The one that I got this year probably is not going to go for more than 10 to $20 more than what it's selling for. Yet people still grab buckets of these things. When you are wasting all of your time to make 10 to $20 more than what you paid, you well, are just an idiot. Like, like I bought the, uh, the that crossover Transformers uh, G.I. Joe one a couple years ago. I, did, yeah. I, did I get that to Vani? I forget. Do I still have that? No, you still have that. I don't know what that even is. The point is I bought it for, I think I bought it actually 10 or $20 below because someone, a seller probably bought eight of them and was trying to move one. I don't think those ever went up in value. No. They, they made so many of those. They produce thousands and thousands of those. So if you want one, you can get one. So my point is that even if you make, even I would say most people doing this aren't making 800 in profit. They're making like 400 or 500 once you factor in whatever your transportation costs are, food costs for expensive eating at Comic Con, uh, <laughs> hotel costs, is it really worth it versus having a good time? No, it's not. Um, I pass on so many exclusives, but like, I don't know. I mean, some people can make more. Like, for instance, things like say, like the the transformable Chibi Voltron this year that sells for one hundred and fifty. Okay. That's going to go for quite a bit. Magic cards that sell for one twenty, you're going to get six hundred for those. <laughs> but the thing is, is those are the ones that are actually very, very limited. That you're probably that, are not, actually that you're probably not going to get. You know, the stuff that you're going to get is the stuff that they make, like you said, a, a shitload of, and and then you're not going to make any profit. Um, the other thing I want to touch on real quickly is Comic Con exclusive trailers, which actually the Suicide Squad trailer was supposed to be. And what happened was, is people recorded it and leaked it to the net. Of course. Of course. WB scrambled for two days with an anti-piracy team to scrub it from the internet. Which and then, and then had their um, uh, director of public relations, I believe it was, come out and say that they were very disappointed that they were going to have to release the trailer in its original quality because they didn't want the pirated trailer in its poor quality representing their movie poorly. And it's like, 
how the fuck are you upset about people being yeah. excited for your shitty ass movie? Like, yeah. what is this? I thought these. There was... is no benefit to that. That's all marketing. You do not limit marketing. You spread marketing out as far and wide as you can. It's very strange, just because the Batman v Superman one went up like the next day, you know, and it wasn't it a was... con exclusive trailer. It wasn't a con exclusive, and that's a much bigger movie. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Star Wars reel came out like almost the same time. The, the, the behind the scenes reel. Um, we're past that period where three, four years ago, where oh, the exclusive one. Oh, you're gonna see the Cowboys versus Aliens exclusive. Doesn't matter anymore. You want to get that shit out to everywhere. Yes. You want to capitalize on the on that Comic Con buzz, which now is a it's the biggest geek event of the year. You know, like that's that's the main event. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, my Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I save up for it all year long. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, that's where you get. Your your stuff exposed to the people who are going to care the most about it. So I'm going to splice that back into the other segment, probably <laughs> for what <laughs> for YouTube consumption. And to the when we talk about the Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, trailer. yeah. So <laughs> next question. Uh, this is from at Fat to Rack zero zero five. Thoughts on selling a game collection and selling on just owning an EverDrive. Uh, due to high prices. Well, Ian, you just uh, picked up a few flash drives. I did pick up a couple other Genesis, drives. Super Nintendo? Uh, Genesis and regular Nintendo. Right, Nintendo. Here's my thought on it. I think if you play video games, you are going to at least have one system that you are very passionate about. Now, some people are completionists, some people aren't, but I, I can only speak from my standpoint. My system is the PC Engine and the Turbo Graphics. More the PC Engine. Turbo Graphics is crazy expensive. I have always, since the time I started collecting for PC Engine, I've only bought games I've wanted. So that when I walk up to that pile, I can close my eyes, pick something, and chances are I'm going to play it. I did not do that when I was collecting Nintendo or when I started. I was buying everything. It got out of control. I got burnt out on it. And I'm currently in the process of selling it off. So I have an EverDrive with a full library of ROMs on it. And you know what? It's just fine to me. Why? Because I get to play games that, honestly, I would never drop the money on. Um, it, the compatibility is not perfect, but it's good enough. The Genesis compatibility needs a little work, but it's still good enough. I don't think it's a horrible thing if you just want to play games. I do think if you are really passionate about video games, you're going to have a system you collect for. You're going to have a niche you collect for. There are certain Nintendo games, even though I'm getting rid of uh, the majority of them, that I won't get rid of because I love them or I, I, have, I have some sort of sentimental attachment to them. Um, you know, the, the, I think that's the, there, there is a middle point between a collector and someone who just wants to dick around with games for a little bit. But I, I don't think there's any real issue with it. And yes, I do realize that there are people... Uh, like let's just say a college kid putting himself through college for an example who wants to play Nintendo games and can't shell out the ever increasing prices for these games or they'll have the space and storage. or have the space and storage and that's another thing for me um and I think Pat actually said that to remind me of my main reason if not he d he did um I did I live in an apartment in San Diego w w with 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 my wife I only have so much space there does become a point where this shit just takes up too much goddamn room I need that space back for books and stuff like that and books. for music. So, you know, it also becomes that. It's like, how do you how do you manage the space I, where you live? I'm going to start looking at practicality <clears throat> just because I'm, I'm at, like, 250 Genesis games or something like that. Right. I have a lot of Genesis games. Usually, I say 95% from the swap meet. 
So it's like, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of money on it, but it's like, if I'm not playing them now, don't have the time to play them, what's the point of having them take up that space? I'm going to get to that yeah. point probably soon enough with probably the Genesis, probably N64, probably Super Nintendo. These weren't systems that I was in love with. Uh, I didn't have the N64 as a kid, didn't have the Genesis. Uh, Super Nintendo, I had like 10 games for. I'll keep my Nintendo games probably always. I'll probably always keep my graphics stuff. Those are my two sure. in my heart. The other ones, they might go at some point. They might they might get pared down to just my favorites, or maybe the weird quirky ones that I like, and maybe just the rare ones just to keep them. But all that middle of the road stuff, be like, I don't need. I mean, I don't need to have maximum carnage on Super Nintendo. You know, I don't. I just don't. Have I think, the I think there's anyway. a lot of people like our age too who who, who have collected things, whether completionists or not. No, I mean, I, I'm not even saying old, but you just realize that having all this stuff is kind of unnecessary. I mean, yeah. I know people who are paring down their record collections. I'm paring down my video game collection. My uh, my wife is, is paring down her figurine collection. Like, at some point, you just look around and you're like, fuck it. how the fuck did I get all this shit? Oh, yeah, well, it's over 15 years. That's that's what it is. Yeah. I'm, always, I'm already thinking about if I want to move in a couple years, i got to box all this shit up. And I want my collections now three to four times easily what it was when I moved from New Jersey, and that was a fucking pain in the ass. Right. The boss said, this will be even worse. The only, the only good news is now if I move, I'm going to stay more local. I can do it all myself and not have to worry about some shifty freaking company out of Bayonne that loses my most important box. That's all the discussion. So, um, yeah, EverDrive, it's it's fine. Do it. I, I don't have any qualms against uh, going the EverDrive route. Be, yeah, re- I mean, be reasonable. And, and, and to touch back on something before people try to call it, because I, I feel it will happen before people say we have a double standard based on the repro thing and the money and the ROMs. Um, keep in mind that the EverDrive company is simply making the EverDrive. They're not putting anything yeah, in they're there. they're not doing something illegal. And the ROMs, uh, you can't buy a Nintendo game uh, and get the money to the original creators anymore. You just can't do it. It's all well, used. So I, I don't really Well, not have, just that. Nothing's being held hostage. Yeah. I don't. I don't really have any ethical issues with with the use of an EverDrive either, and and I think people would come at me for this too because I, I run a store. Yes, I, I realize that 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 means less people buying games, but you know what? People with EverDrives a lot of times still buy games. They find games that they like through going through the ROM library, and they decide they would like an actual physical copy. See, it's, Nap- it's like it's like MP3s. See, Napster was a good thing. Yeah, it's like MP3s versus going and buying an album. You hear stuff you like, you go and you buy the actual album. Okay, this is from at Lord Street Guru. You guys don't seem like big PC gamers. Any real reason for that? I don't know where the hell this. This came is like from. the biggest misconception about us. Ever. I'm glad we're covering this on the 50th podcast. I was a huge PC gamer. I, I grew up with PC games since I was five. I started gaming on an Apple IIe. IBM XT. I played graphic adventures and first-person yes. shooters. Yes, all, and and RPGs and strategy games all through the 90s. Yes. I stopped gaming on PCs when it got really expensive, when I moved out on my own, I didn't have desktops, and consoles just became easier. Look, yes. I'm in the market for a new laptop, and when I get it, I'm going to buy PC uh, games again. I are- just it, it, It's simply because you only see Pat and I talking about console games... Because it's not our main focus right now. Plus, because there's not many exclusive PC games. Right. They come out on the on the consoles, and then, oh, we'll, we'll do a shitty port on the PC. Basically, that's what happens. I'm sorry, that's the way it is now. It used to be the best games were on PCs. Arkham until, Knight, what? Until, like, ten years ago, the best games were on PCs. And that's the reason why I don't have an affinity for uh, Super Nintendo. I don't have an affinity for PlayStation. I don't have an affinity for N64. Because I was knee-deep... 
playing Lucas uh, Arts games, playing Sierra games, playing awesome first person shooters, playing Unreal Tournament. I was playing that shit. Yeah. Because those games were far superior to anything you could have gotten on a console, especially in the early 90s and with CD-ROM technology. With a lot of like Kickstarter games that look interesting to me being you know PC first or PC only, as I said, I will probably go back to PC. I have no discrimination against PC. I don't think it's better. I don't think it's worse. It's just another way to play games. Sure. So there you go. We don't seem like big PC gamers. I don't, I'm not a big gamer only more because I got, I'm doing shit. I'm working and stuff. I wish I could play these games more. Danny, it's been too long. All right. Adam. Brian Rawson, King of Retro. Could the divide between mobile and console gaming split the market enough to cause another crash? Uh, I, I think what you're going to be looking at, <laughs> uh, mobile, uh, mobile gaming will never take over. It's, it's an entirely different market. Um, you're never going to be able to emulate the control scheme on a phone for fighting games, for first-person shooters. Really, on the phone, what you got are, like, the freaking little puzzle games. You can do an RPG, probably, on, on a phone. You can do a strategy you, game or You can do a strategy, like but you're sort of running thin on what you can do on a phone. But the thing is, is you can do some of these things well with a touchscreen, but you don't find developers that are putting a lot of effort into making a good one that gives you the same experience that you would get I, on a 3DS or even a home console. Probably because, for the most part, uh, freaking game, game of war aside, the vast majority... Of these, uh, you know, mobile games won't be as profitable as putting out a triple A game. You know, so it's like, why would you flock to, a, you know, obviously microtransaction games can be huge, but for the most part, it's probably not comfortable not knowing that I got to put out a 99 cent game. You know, I, I can develop all this time, putting all this time for a 99 cent game, and we'll see if it does well or not versus I know I want to put out this game for $60 on Xbox One, and I know how much money it'll probably make. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't see. I always see them being separate. I, I never going to see this being. Right. Oh, the, the Nintendo should have just go to mobile games. No, they shouldn't. They really shouldn't. <laughs> I also see them as separate. Um, and while I don't think that either are necessarily going to crash, if there was ever going to be a sea change or a crash with video games right now, I would see it not on the console side, uh, but on the mobile side where people get fed up with that sort of current structure mm-hmm. and things have to change. Yeah, if, if the microtransactions tra- tra- go out of whack, if people all of a sudden say, oh, great, you, you took down my game I played for like five years, I put on a server like we talked about before, I'm pissed now, I'm not going to do this ever again. Well, I mean, here's you know? a per- here's a good example. Puzzle and Dragons on the iOS, very popular. Uh, you can only play it for a little bit at a time or else you have to pay for microtransactions to refill your stamina. Hey, guess what? They released a version of it for the 3DS that has two versions of the game on it and no microtransactions. You know, I mean, people see more of that and they're going to realize that, oh, there is value in these games on these consoles as opposed to constantly trying to fuck with, you know, plus maximizing my time on this game. Kills your battery in your phone. The phone you still want to use to call people. Yeah. I know we have iPad stuff, but people still usually use phones for their mobile gaming. I just put this. I just put this question on here because I just thought it was funny. There's no real answer here. Uh, this is from James Stundis at Chemical Who Boy. In the Bat Super trailers, do you think that? Can... <laughs> do you think? Do you think Zack Snyder is talking about himself and not Superman? <laughs> Very clever, James. You're a funny man, James. Very clever. And yeah, probably. Um, Rob Rob Cass. What's the most important thing you've learned over the course of 50 episodes? Congrats, by the way. Um, I think... most One thing we got to choose? I, well, most important. What's the most important thing? Let's just say things. Uh, one, I think, is that we've learned how to banter 
um, better in terms of timing. That's the most important thing we've learned. <laughs> well, for people banter. who are listening, that's true. Sure, uh, I, I'm not saying like our banter in terms of how we talk to each other, but our timing. We don't, we don't. It's we're not yelling at each other at the same time as much. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, not like that. <laughs> okay. I, I I think um, I, I well, well I think me and Ian have this sort of a you know you look at those those graphs of circles. We 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 can we would probably overlap for like eighty percent. Of sort of topics for the most part. Let's let's go let's go seventy, just just to be an asshole. Oh, so okay, our co- our code just got <laughs> just well, pulled apart because of that. Bit. We don't agree on that. Um, but for even the stuff we disagree on, we can be civil about it. You know, we're, we're still we're rational individuals. We're not going to uh, cast aspersions at each other. We've never uh, got visibly angry at each other too much uh, on the not, podcast. Not often. Right now. No, 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 oh, now it's coming out. It's no, I'm just saying not often. Not often. Um. But I think what's important to civil discussion is that you remember that opinions don't necessarily reflect uh, what the individual is, uh, for the most part. And, and that when it comes down to it, your, your beliefs about something or opinions about whatever, uh, as long as you're a good person, what, what, you, what you believe, at least to me personally, that's secondary. Sure. If you treat people well, that's more important. You can believe in the best shit on earth, but if you treat people like shit or a bad person, that doesn't matter anymore. Um, not to get too philosophical, because I've seen that happen. I, I've, I've heard of quote-unquote feminists uh, behind behind people's back talk shit about women and treat women like shit. You know, it's just like, so saying you're a feminist, it doesn't really matter anymore. You know, or, or even the opposite. You have people that are very religious or believe they're very religious and, and believe in the most horrific stuff, you know, and then go out and yell about it. So, I, I mean, um, be civil. That's what I learned. That Not that I was never not civil with Ian, but, you know, you, you get to learn... Uh, about a person's personality more, I guess, talking to them. Not that me and Ian always had good conversations, though, even before the podcast, and that's why, you know, that, that, that faithful day, I'm like, hey, let's, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's, you know, you're good, let's do this. <laughs> I think we could argue over how it came about. But I walked into Luna and I said, you should do this with me. I recommended it to you like a year prior. Well, then at the time, I thought it was a horrible idea, so it didn't count. <laughs> it was um, terrible. I mean, for me, I, 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 you know, sometimes my emotions get the best of me. I'm a very emotional person, but I've learned to tone it back. And, <laughs> and oh, yeah. Um, I, I, what I think, you know, what I, what I, I agree with what Pat says in terms of, you know, opinion, uh, especially heated opinion in a debate or opinions in a debate or a discussion, do not necessarily. Um, uh, re- reflect a person's true personality. And I do want to say, not not to sound silly, but I think a lot of listeners have probably learned over the course of 50 episodes that you and I are not exactly who we appear to be all the time on the podcast, too. We are simply sitting here, debating, and casting out opinions. Sure. I mean, there's there's a degree of acting even when you're doing a, a radio show or doing a podcast. I, it, yeah, it, I don't feel like I'm ever acting, but sure, there's probably some act. We're, we're not acting, but we're still putting on a performance. Right, exactly. Sense. Like when we do the like we do with a marathon. We're not acting, but we're still doing some sort of performance. We know we're on camera. At that point, it's, at this point, I've become aware of that. Your, your personality sort of, your personality doesn't change, but it sort of shifts to the environment. Let's just say that. But if you, but if you met us, if you meet Ian and I in person at a convention or whatever at Luna Video Games, two locations in La Mesa and Ocean Beach, <laughs> buying Thank and you. selling retro games, Thanks. Um, that we, we are who you think we are for the most part. Like this is it. Like this, we're not. We're, we're not going to. We're not going to talk about shit that we don't believe in or, or give opinions we don't believe in. We're not going to. We're not going to uh, say stuff just to get hits. We're not going to say stuff that we think our audience is going to like. 
And we're gonna we're gonna hopefully challenge. There's lots of videos where people hate Ian. Uh, he thinks it's only him, but no, people have hated on me. I got tons of shit. I had people making videos about me because I tore down talking about uh, you know, the, you know the Smash Brothers, uh, the two different modes, competitive versus people. People got on me for that. And at the end of the day, though, it's like. We're not going to just spoon feed you bullshit. That's at least what, what I think. We're not yeah. going to spoon feed you what you think we think you should hear. Sometimes we'll debate each other, but even if we don't debate each other, even if we agree on a, a subject, I'll try to play devil's advocate or do a spin. You don't try to come out at a different angle to at least bring something bring something to the table that you wouldn't expect just from saying, oh, I'm going to talk to you about something for five minutes, and it's exactly what you think I was going to say about it. We reflect who we are on the podcast uh Accurately, and we don't fuck it up. But in real life, we're also not quite as amplified. I think anyone who's met any of us at a convention realizes that I'm not going to stand there and yell in their face about Batman and Superman if they want to bring it up. I do in the moment with you because I, I feel passionate about it at that moment. But if someone really comes up to me and wants to talk about it, I, I can't. I can't get that worked up about it. I do things to you, Ian. I know yeah. that's what you've learned. You've learned how passionate oh, I Jesus can make you. Christ. Okay, so we're gonna go to. Uh, we're actually we're, we'll do. Uh, we'll do the, before the memories. We'll do what people have given gotten us the, over the past month. The gifts, podcast gifts. There's a, there's a bunch of them. So I want to start with one just before we forget go, it. Go because, to your box over there. Well, I will, but I I want to start with one because there's really nothing left to show of it. Um, Jen Castillo sent us a, another box. Uh-huh. She sent uh, she sent Pat some eye pillows uh, a while back, and she sent. Um, an eye pillow for me and for Vani, and another one for Pat and for Frank because she had updated how she had made them. She, and she, she updated with like a little cartoon, uh, excuse me, comic like uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and like and Spider Man. I, th- I think she changed how she was doing the oils in them too. And I got to say, those things are freaking fantastic. Um, as a person who gets eye strain really, really easily from looking at a, 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 a computer screen, those things are great. And it, there was a bunch of candy in there, which I've pretty much eaten all of it. And a very nice sign about uh, uh, sarcastic people, which I am. So that so, was that was great. Since Frank didn't get his next the next Frank crate video, you'll probably see him g- give me a gift. Actually, I, it might be one of these boxes. You might have spoken too soon. If you look in your box, it could be in there. But uh, well, well, let's see what you got. Let's let's open yours first. Uh, okay. What did nice people do for me? That is, uh, I think that's yours only. I think that's an Ian exclusive. This is from from William. There should be a note in there, too. Yep. <coughs> Ian hasn't learned haste in 50 episodes, by the way. Ian and Pat have this thing to do a giveaway during an Anonymous Marathon. More importantly, Q&A time. Ian, will you please explain the video game and or comic book story? <laughs> no. Sorry. Um, P.S. If Ian is not comfortable telling the story for any reason, I won't hold it against him. Thank you. If he is not comfortable, I do have another question. Pat, how has the Retron 5 operating system improved through the updates it has released since the Retron 5 review video? Haven't oh, updated it. Pat can't answer that, but I can, um, because I have a lot of people who uh, buy them from the store. And by all accounts, it has improved tremendously to the point where you can even put translation patches, uh, I believe, on the SD card oh, really? uh, now officially. And uh, if you have an import game, it will it will it will patch that ROM for you. Nice. Love the show. Keep it up, Will. So what will get get us? Got this is going to be a giveaway. This is a giveaway. That we, if well, God willing, we do another NES marathon. It is a oh, sweet. It's a world championship cart repro from RetroZone with with the box, which is really freaking cool. And I want to keep it. People right. love these things. Well, you <laughs> can't keep it. 
I'll give him mine to make a box. Put it back in the protective. All right, there's a That's going to be thrown around my room for the next eight months. It's not eight months away, you silly goose. Um, you want to go next? You can go. All right, it's like Chris, I only have two, two though, two people, so you got to do more to catch up. Okay, uh, and we'll do another one. Do another one. It's, it's Christmas time in, in the CU Pies. It's like 50th gifts. By the way, if you want to send us stuff, it's a uh, uh, CU Podcast, Care Pack Country, P.O. Box 7695, San Diego, California, 92167. I think I know what just came out. Ian gets the PC Engine Super CD-ROM. Pat gets the custom NES cart. Enjoy. Jeremy. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Now, this is cool. Now, I think that that's I think that's the demo Super CD, uh, which is funny because I think I have that somewhere. This is so cool. So I think I guess it was a demo that was put in stores. Yes, I, but for some reason you can find them sealed, but it's, they're still cool. There's like five different games on there. Or something I like can't that. freaking wait to check this out. It's Falcom too, so you know the music. Falcom and Red, so the music is going to be fantastic. And so this. let's 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 see that game. This is actually. <laughs> So it's the Pathianius Punk Volume One, available available now on Amazon and my website DVD. Um, it's on my NES cart. Now I'm wondering what game this is. Yeah, yes, that's what I'm most curious about too. It even has the Nintendo seal of approval. NES Pat Dash USA, very cute. That's Thank you very awesome. much. What was his name? Uh, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. That was very very kind of you. That that is awesome. To do that. I like the and I like the uh, serial number. That's... How many more packages you got left? Uh, I have. Uh, one, uh, two, more than three. Three. Okay, then you do one more, then I'll go. Oh, and here's one of the pillows. Yes, this is the pillow. This That's... is the pillow from Jen. Yep. These this things is... are freaking fantastic. I put them in the uh, I put them in the damn freezer. Oh, it smells. It smells like fennel. It's so nice. I, uh, I put them in the freezer, and uh, yeah, I just put it on my eyes before I go to bed, uh, and then it falls okay, off okay. at some point. But that's okay. Uh, feels good. All right, you go to the next thing. One more time. Uh, this is from uh, Roland. Hi, Roland. I That's, it just te- there should be a tab on the other side open. Yeah, on the, on the side. Beep, 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 I don't know. What the fuck are you talking about? Right here. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> There's a note in there, too. Let's read a note. I like your graph paper. Hey, y'all. Enjoy the podcast. Keep it up. Here are some PC Engine games for Ian. I'm making it like a bandit. Why? Thank you, people. Sorry, Pat. Nothing for you. Figured you didn't need another Mario Duck Hunt or NES Play Action Football. Thanks, Roland, Roland Curtis. P.S. Ian, judging from your taste in music, you should check out some of these artists if you haven't already. Zombie, Steve Moore, hey. Major, Umberto, Transam. I love Transam. Catacumba and the Illo Suono Scuro mixes by Dark Lord Disco. I will. Thanks, Thanks Roland. Roland. Thank you, Roland. Yeah, I don't need another Super Mario Duck Hunt, but you know I would need a PC Engine game. That would have been nice. That would have been swell, Roland. What games are they? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I should know this one. Well, it's by Riot, so I'm going to like it. Oh, Conan, the boy in the future. I'd like Conan, the boy in the future. Advanced Variable Geo, which is a lot of fun. I have played that before. I like Advanced. And, uh... This, which is... I can't remember the name of it, but it's an RPG. Um, it's like a Geiger-esque RPG. I'd like the Geiger-esque RPG. You would, wouldn't you? Thanks, Roland. See you in hell. Thanks, Roland. I appreciate you. Oh, this is from Sean Robbins. Ooh, little Amazon gift things. All right. Um, well, it says what all three of them are, what the gifts are. Wow, we got two Amiibo. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna probably say which one I want. 
Uh, first, we got a Jelly Belly uh, Sour <laughs> gift gift bag. I will eat all of those. No, you won't, because I want a few, at least. Uh, so we got that. Thank you very much. Candy. Again, we got two Amiibo. I love candy. Wow. Oh, wow. Jesus. He got a gift wrap for us. That's extra. You don't have to do that. I've got, I've got gift wrapping here. Yeah. Right, sour, oh, sour, there's a, oh, there's a note. Sour apple. Sour cherry. Proud listener and Patreon supporter. Thank you for the CU podcast nice. for nearly a year. Wow. Sour I love rate. the balance that it strikes between informative and fun. Well, that's, that's, that's just good marketing material right there we can use. Keep up the great work. If you're interested, I produce and host a radio show in college. Uh, station WVCR 88.3 FM is a volunteer titled The J-Pop Exchange. Very Neat. Pre- very specific. Um, it contains exclusive interviews with anime plus game composers and a lot more. Show website is www.jpopexchange or j oh, excuse me, jpopexchange.net. jpopexchange.net. I will go check that out. So let's open are these, these up. Are these so these two? What's that? No, that's separate. That's separate, Ian. Uh, Garrett Webb. That's separate. Oh, so it's just just that one. Okay. Here, the- you, you can open one. I'll open the other. There you go. But I want I want one specifically. Okay, calm yourself. I don't have any I don't have any amiibo. How do you open these Amazon things? Is Yoshi? Yoshi! <laughs> He's a good guy. And this means yeah, there he is! The most important video game of all time. There he is, Mr. Pac-Man. You can't even rub it in my face because I've got one on the way. I want the Yoshi now. No, Thank you very much. This is very nice <laughs> this of you. This is awesome. I've actually been looking forward to a Yoshi. This is my first Amiibo. I appreciate it. So I feel like a I'm lot. A, I feel like I'm important now. This is super cool. Oh, God. It's one of the Mario Party ones. This uh, I should probably pick that up. Oh, because I have a Peach Mario Party one. All right. Next scene. Okay. On our 50th uh, anniversary. This is yes, from sure. Garrett R. Webb. I love uh, watching the YouTube videos, but the quality is awful and audio is A plus plus. I don't know if you can use these, but I'm hoping this gift. I'm, I, but but I'm, I'm I hope with this gift you can start uploading okay. in 1080p. I want to be okay. able to see Ian Ian's fantastic beard. Okay, so basically I don't know what to do with these. We got these a while ago. He gave us webcams, Ian. Oh, he gave us. Well, that's a nice thought, but. It's the webcam we're using right now. Oh. It's the Logitech C920 or 30 that he got it, so... Well, I can use at least one for my own purposes. But, or you can borrow one of the two I have if you wanted to. But we appreciate the gesture. So why it looks so shitty, uh, again, to repeat it, is because I'm using my camcorder with a with a very expensive capture device These for me. These are pretty cool. Yes, it's very cool, Ian. I don't own one. You do. I don't care that you own them. <laughs> That's not the point. So now Ian can do his happy, Ian's happy handhelds to show. So the other one, we'll figure out what to do with it. I can, uh, I can sell it for parts. Or I can or become something. a cam girl. You, you pretend you're a cam girl? Yeah. You probably are in your spare time. Let's, we'll, we'll, we'll leave the other one gift wrap. I'll give it to Frank or something. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That was very cool. No, not you. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, next, you, or, I, I have like seven different packages here from one person. So maybe we can do one at a time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's a note. This guy got Frank stuff too for the Frank crate. Which is very cool of him to do. Hey guys, I thought I would send another gift away. Oh, this is Kelly. So, um, Ian, if you land the Sega CD, you can finish your quest. I know you are a Splatoon fan, so I know you would appreciate it. I'm not sure what, if he, what he's referring to there. Uh, maybe one of the gifts. Uh, Pat, I thought you might appreciate this with your 
Love for the 80s and montages. It even comes complete with tracking issues as well. Break the ice and thunder in your heart are a must. Oh, and I included a piece so the controller would be less of a bastard. LOL. He, he sent me a little piece for the NES Max that he made the custom piece. How nice. Well, let's see what we have here first. Not too familiar with this. What's the rad soundtrack? What's, I don't know. What's rad? I don't know. I guess it's, it's an 80s band? I don't know. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Okay, well... well I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know. All right, we'll check that one out sometime. And then I'll do another one. Oh, this is for Ian. You open that one. Ah, something just fell. Opening stuff. From Kelly. This is all from Kelly. I like you, Kelly. He sent you... He sent you another one. Ah! Son of a bitch! I yes! mean, I'm so happy for you, Ian. I fucking love this game! I was literally talking to my friend about this game on Sunday. Yeah, you talked about it on the podcast. I talked about it on the podcast, too, but I was I was actually discussing it again on Sunday. Now I need a CDX. <laughs> this is so cool. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, man. I've got to finally beat this damn game now. You have, you have any more over there? Uh, nope, 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 nope. Alright, you have another one more. Hold on. What was this? Uh, okay. We have one more, and I have a couple, and we have a dual one. So I'll open the next one. Oh, here it is. Here is the missing piece from the NES Max. Uh, Kelly last time made me the joystick NES Max. And here's the thumb pad, in case I want to put it back together. Thank you, Kelly. That's great. Oh, E's going right. He didn't even bother to wait. I thought we were just supposed to open it. Oh, well, you just did. So. So you have another amiibo. Yeah, but holy crap. What? It's modified. That's so cool. That looks so good. Oh, wow. It's a neon green and blue and orange. Uh... I should know exactly which one this is, but I don't. But it's awesome. Wow. It's awesome all the same. That's incredible. Oh, my, oh my God. It's a fucking. That's so cool. It's a Splatoon Mega Man. He's got ink. That's awesome, Ian. He's got ink coming out of his fucking gun. That's fantastic, <laughs> Ian. I like your piece. Now you can fix your controller. I think this is a cruel joke. I sort of turned to a cruel joke from Kelly. <laughs> just because I took a shot. Because you were so ungrateful. Mm. Oh, okay. I guess this goes with the Rad CD. What is it? It's Red on DVD. Oh, oh it's, it's a okay, movie? yeah, okay. I know what that is. I've seen the movie. It's it's. A, you've never seen Red? No, I okay, haven't. Okay, you need to see Red. Crew Jones is the best BMX biker yes, in Cochrane. So good. He's got the talent to become the best BMX daredevil in the world. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, that's this is. Oh, it's a burned DVD. <laughs> it looks like it's burned DVD. Is it's, that official? It's official. What, what year did this come out? No, this is not official. It cannot be official. Oh, maybe not. I mean, this I don't know if it got, if it got, this uh, is this is like laser. Pr- uh, this, this is like the. Uh, it doesn't like matter it. if it's official. You need to watch. No, the damn I'll watch. Movie. It. I'm just saying. You know, it's good. It's really. I, I think I think Kelly hates me. It's really funny, actually. That uh, damn it's, movie. It's uh, just it's amusing. Do I have any more? I don't know. Uh, we have one more for both of us. I will open it. Okay. Okay. I love the wrapping paper, by the way, Kelly. Oh Jesus! This is this is fantastic. Uh, I have one still from a couple years ago, but... Oh, we have two packages of Big League Chew. Oh, yeah. I Oh, so, man, which what flavors? Uh, ground Ball Grape and Out of Here Original. Can I please have grape? I was going to say, I think I have a grape one anyway, but we'll, I'll double check. But yeah, okay, Ian, you can have this. I, just I want, love Big League Chew. I just want the grape. Grape gum is so good. Well, we made out. We did. 
This was this was totally unnecessary, and thank you. You really don't have to do this, but we'll appreciate it. And you know, oh, oh, you're going right to the gum. I really, you, you really are fucking four years old, aren't you? I really like grape. Why don't you gum. throw some jelly beans in there too while you're at it? Just I, sort of I like it up on it. Grape gum is one of my yeah. It matches your bio buffet shirt. That's that's fantastic. It's one of my passions. One of your passions was grape gum. <laughs> so again, if you want to send us something on the CU podcast, it's a CU podcast care of Pat Country PO Box seven six nine five. San Diego, California, 92167. Ian's in heaven. <laughs> That's just so good. So we're going to get to some CU Podcast memories here. Um, uh, first one's from Karen. Hey, Karen, who's also helping out with the book project. At Niamla. I still love Pat's rant about his crappy days at Suncoast. Who doesn't? That, the worst job ever, once again. I worked on it, I think it was after I had my knee surgery in college. Right at the dawn of DVDs, for the most part. You still have maybe only 150 DVDs or less. And, yeah, we'll just have Pat rearrange the VHS or, or alphabetize the VHS sec- section sci-fi that he did the day before. And I'll just put take one and put it out of place to make sure he has busy work. Instead of, instead of what you should do for making 505 an hour, just hang out at a fucking video store and just goof off. We'll just make his life happen. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we'll also uh, sexually harass him, too. We'll just do that, too, at 505 an hour. This one's from Chronic Kevin at Tarnak. This is a this is kind of an all-encompassing one. Um, Kevin really likes the Tommy Tellerico finger cage, which I probably should be using more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fondly remembers the T-Rex arms, which I'm Molly. still doing to this, you, this you day. You two seconds ago. Um, uh, Danny Sullivan, of course. Everyone loves Danny. I'm not sure what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard of that man. Uh, Takate, which... I brought back as a throwback jersey sort of deal uh, for tonight, being it's the 50th episode. Throwback alcohol. And realizing Frank is Pat's adopted father. If only. And the... Uh, CU Podcast, WB, WB Paper that was awesome. at, at Survivor Series, was it? Uh, I believe so. That, that was great. Was that the one with my face on it? That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, those are all great moments. I mean, can't go wrong with those. Um, at MSU Hitman, Ian's segment on the bad customers... Little bitch! <laughs> that segment got me to subscribe and still watch it every two weeks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't have more. The thing is, I get so many, like... You gotta write them down. Yeah, I do. I know I know you write a lot for the CU Podcast Patreon. Yes. I've been getting better at that. Have you? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, keep track of you like I should. Yeah. <laughs> the segment that I got, um, yeah, so I, I have so many of those bad stories. People love them. Um... I try not to always rant about things that suck, uh, but yeah, I mean, working in retail, I meet a lot of good people. Unfortunately, the good people don't always make for the most amusing stories. So yeah, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of um, horror stories from customers. Uh, Eric Slatter, Slatter, Slattery, uh, love scumbag seller segments, especially the Cincinnati yeah. scalper. I like I like how it's capitalized. This is like <laughs> the the interview. Like the, oh, the, Cincinnati the Camp Brown killer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati scalper. The, the Cincinnati scalper who bought the interview tickets and couldn't oh, sell them. Oh, did we take him to the woodshed <laughs> on that segment? That was fun. Oh, did we 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 beat that 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 little rat faced bastard up for trying to freaking basically what he tried to do was buy all the interview tickets. Remember when it was in limited release, like oh, Christmas fucking weekend, and on Christmas he tried yeah. to make pun- money off it. And on they, Christmas fucking day, they didn't sell. And then he tried to get his money back. Was complaining that the that the movie theaters didn't give back a scalper back at the movie tickets, which they didn't have to. What an asshole. Yep. At, uh, at That ass is my boss, which could be still one of my favorite names of any person who's ever tweeted a, a question at us. Uh-huh. Uh, his CU podcast, uh, 
memory is, any conversation you guys have about Zack Snyder is always classic. In fact, I wish you could make it a weekly <laughs> I'm glad we we can't make it another The Zack Snyder or... Snyder segment of the week! <laughs> um, the funny thing is, is that I realize that even when I'm feeling completely calm, and I say at the beginning of the Zack Snyder Snyder segment that I'm not going to get upset about something or yell, that I always betray myself, and I do, every single time, because he's a fucking piece of shit. The end. We'll, ne- we'll never get in a WB movie now, Ian. Yeah, oh no. He's a built guy. You shouldn't mess with Zach. Um, this is at Glickper, or excuse me, Geekper. The moment Ian shat in protest of the Turtles movie, <laughs> and just some good yelling. <laughs> yeah. I actually watched that one like last week. I think I think that's one of the more popular ones we ever did. I I just say <laughs> stuff and it comes out of my mouth, and sometimes it doesn't really you, make any sense. You didn't but I hope that. Did you see the Turtles movie? No. You gonna see the sequel with with Seamus as uh, as Bebop? In no, it? double no. The double note. No, I, I I will double shit myself in protest of that. <laughs> I will pee in my own mouth. Uh, at Super Duper Subby, when Pat finally gave us the scoop on his NWC gold uh, card acquisition story classic episode. See, when I, I guess I don't appreciate that people want to hear about, like, to them it's like finding something really important. Sure. For me, it was just, oh, I'm just, I'm just getting rid of a lot of money that I could be using towards, like, my mortgage or, or going on vacation. Um, but, yeah, that was a cool story. I met the guy in Chicago, uh, Mike, very nice guy. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll help you appreciate me wasting money. That's Stewie, simply Pat's hair. I don't know where else you can go with that. I gotta get a cut. It's, my it's hair, funny because I'm the shaggy dog. I mean, but your hair just kind of grows. Like, like my hair just grows out, not down. You look a lot like uh, Ludwig Koopa um, when your hair gets out of control. If we could just dye your hair blue, you would look just like him. Go show him baby mode. Um,. At Reckless Youth 26, when Ian had to play and review DuckTales Remastered. Yeah, because he was forced to because someone mailed it in a year and a half after he said he was going to play and review because it. Because I, I knew That I... still bothers me, by the way, that you basically just bagged on the whole thing. Because I didn't want to play it. I knew but it was... But you said you were going to review it. Yes, and I didn't feel like dumping $15 on something I knew I wasn't going to oh like. Oh, my God. The problem, I, the thing is, is I finally did. Um, thank you to uh, Alan, I believe, Thompson. Um, I did play it, and I did review it. And the thing was, is my review, I think, even, I went, I actually, I rarely go back, but I went back to that segment and I listened. My review came across, I think, as pretty even. I complimented the game in a number of areas and very, very um, calmly explained why I didn't like it. And I still, to this day, just get shit comments. Do you on, really? Yeah, on how horrible. On where? It, uh, both the, um... Both the uh, YouTube video and occasionally why would, you, why would you check the YouTube comments from that? Uh, I don't know, because I felt like maybe I was reasonable enough to have people be like, oh, okay, I get it. It's but, YouTube. Yeah, it's YouTube. You're going to learn that you should not respond on YouTube. You, you still, that's one thing you haven't learned in 50 episodes of the CU Because sometimes it's, I just like going toe-to-toe with those fucking scumbags. Oh, God. That's not going to be helpful. Peyton I, Ellis, 767. Pat and Ian laughing about the Italian games based on I, Denny. I think we were laughing more about the negative reaction, the over-the-top reaction had the people that that, that uh, Denny's was destroying the Atari legacy of of of, uh, of Space Invaders and you know and Missile Command. It was just like there's stupid little mini you know games on your freaking phone with ketchup bottles instead of a Space Invader, like like. like how could you get bad of shape at that? You're not like. What are you talking about? It was yeah. so, the argument is what's silly. The games are silly too, but the argument is what made it even sillier. Yeah, yeah exactly. To, to us. It's just like why are you getting bad of shape? It's so dumb. It's so and it's 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 so meaningless in the long. It's actually long, cute yeah. to me. Um, 
That Mega 5K, I'm really biased, but one of my favorite CU podcast memories is Yacht Club. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it. So I'm not positive. I think we were talking about... We're, I think we were talking about Yacht Club games in a discussion and about I said Shovel Knight when, when, when Shovel Knight was coming out. No, I think what happened was is you said Yacht Club, and I thought you said Yacht Gum, or the other way around. Either way, it was like the last thing we were doing at the night. I remember we were tired, and I remember we laughed about it considerably. I actually don't remember the exact well, circumstances. If it was Yacht Club games, I, I could have mixed together clubbing games, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I could have just said Yacht Gum, yeah. which is still funny. Um, that might have been it. And we're all, we just talked about this one. At iBrainiac, for some reason I'm picturing the drunk Southern man you, who, that was just looking to make a deal. Little bitch! That's that man ever come back in? No, but it's a, it's a funny one to close on because when it, it's not like it happens every time, but a lot that, of times when people walk into the store... People who uh, perhaps have more boisterous personalities, um, or are a bit more forward, and I, and I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. I think it's funny, but they will come in and instead of being like, "Hi, fan of the podcast," they'll be like, "Little bitch," and I'm like, <laughs> "Nice to meet you, listener of the podcast." That, that could be a CU podcast T-shirt, little bitch. But you know, it should be a CU podcast T-shirt. Danny Sullivan. Danny Sullivan. Mm-hmm. So. It's in the works. It's not ready because I'm extremely busy. But we will be putting out a new t-shirt available. It'll be on Teespring. And it'll be a Danny Sullivan CU Podcast exclusive shirt. So be on the lookout for that. I don't know, a couple weeks. i got to do a new Pat Danny's Punk episode. Uh, Ian's got to finish writing for the book. Um, and blow bubbles. Um, it's really good gum. Bubbles will appreciate it. So if you like us... We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash pixelsickle, and you can watch this every week. You can watch you can, you can can watch it, uh, you know, as it's recorded and uploaded. Um, and then uh, we want to just thank you guys for being on board for almost two years, 50 episodes. That's uh, nuts. Not including the uh, one-offs like me interviewing Brennel Floss and the uh, podcast guidance, as Ian calls it, at Too Many Games. Oh, it's crazy because, like, I think back, right? And it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but oh, it, feel, it feels like that long to me. Two years ago, <laughs> I hadn't even proposed to Vani, let alone was I married. Uh, I looked completely different. My hair was short, and I had no beard. Um, You're very much scarier now. Yeah, I don't know. It, I saw the hair. Um, I I started growing my hair longer in, in late 2012. So my hair wasn't as long as this, but it was longer. And uh, I probably was a little cute, cute, chubbier Pat then, but. Uh, it was fun doing it, doing the first couple in the room. No, it was awkward. And then graduating to here. That was better. You were you were awkward. You're still awkward. Mm-hmm. I, I believe. That's fine. Here's to 50 more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. Why not? 50 so. just seems like a long, a big number. But we did 50. Imagine if we were doing it every week then. It'd be double. This would be the 100th episode mm. by now. I'd have a lot more grays than you would, too. Oh no, we're the same amount of time. I said if we did it every week, by now it'd be 100 episodes. Yeah. Oh, I'm, you're saying from the stress? From stress. I know it's stressful when you come here and, and shoot the shit for two hours. Yeah. Uh, it's very yeah. stressful. Pat, I can make jokes. <laughs> so, with that, uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. I'll be at uh, Con Bravo in Canada. I'm in jealous of you. Well, you could go to a last minute Buffalo trip. <laughs> no, I can't. Any words of advice before we head on out? Uh, words of wisdom? Floss. <laughs>